This is the MLW Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Front Row Material. He is Mike Freeland. I am the Rit. We're here filling in for the boys, Mike and Jerry. Freeland, what's going on, man? Oh man, I tell you what, I am. Uh, I'm just recovering from the big weekend that was PPW. I mean, you actually had a lot more to do with it on site than I did. But man, was it exciting? Oh man, recovering, man. I hate to see you if, if you were actually watching the show. The ups and, and downs, the roller coaster. I'm the type of guy I don't want to know who wins anything. You don't want the heads up? No, I want to watch it so I can enjoy the roller coaster just with the fans. And there what were team- plenty of matches that I thought I was I knew. And guess what? Nope. Nope. Well, it's it's fun to be able to go to events and, you know, enjoy yourself like a fan and really get into it. So I think PPW did a great job this past weekend. We had a monster week last week. I mean, we were on every single night of the week. I mean, hey, hey. You can't get an old man like me. You can't get an old man like me on here all the time, every single day of the week. So, but we're back to our regularly scheduled program. We're excited. So, who do we got on in the eight o'clock hour? You want to talk about a fan? I have been a fan of this man for many years. He is part of one of the greatest tag teams on the indie scene with Christian Faith, aka Ricky Shane Page. He is Mr. Vincent Nothing. What's up, guys? How are you? Welcome to the show, Vince. Thanks for carving out some time for us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Let me adjust my camera here. So we're, yeah, there we go. There, no, there we go. That's Star Wars. You're still, you're still the best-looking man out of the three of us. Let's yeah, be I, honest. I appreciate that. Yeah. Not much, not much competition there. Yeah. So uh, let's kind of start things off here with you. You know, how you been as far as the whole COVID thing? Um, Hopefully you and your loved ones have been able to get through this uh, unscathed. Yeah, I've uh, been lucky enough. You know, I, I've actually been really busy doing shows this entire year. Um, and a lot of people are, you know, taking the necessary precautions, making sure wrestlers are tested, making sure that the fans have masks on, um, depending on kind of what state you're in. You know, everything's always been changing by state. I'm vaccinated. Um, and so I've been good. I haven't I haven't had any issues and uh, still been able to stay, you know, relatively busy and keep a, a pretty consistent schedule with wrestling. So, um, you know, I've been, been probably one of the lucky ones where a lot of people have, depending on what area you've lived in, you know, some people haven't wrestled in, you know, almost a year. Um, I've, I've been able to stay very consistent. You know, it's interesting when we talk about the indies, you know, we don't really, I guess, take into consideration how much travel is involved. So just kind of take me through, I mean, take COVID out, for example, but how much would you say you travel on a yearly basis when everything is quote unquote normal? Yeah. So, you know, I think there's people who probably travel a lot more than I do, but um, I live in Ohio. I'm in the Cleveland area in Ohio and um, we've been pretty much shut down. Yeah. Shut down for, for a lot of the, uh, a lot of the year and a lot of the end of, of uh, last year, 2020. So I've had to travel a lot, uh, mainly to Indiana, New Jersey areas. And, you know, that's pretty much every weekend. So we're talking from from my area. It's, you know, 10-hour round trips to, to Indiana. 
or, you know, 14 plus hour round trips to, uh, to the Jersey area. So, you know, you're looking at, you're leaving, you know, either Friday morning or late Thursday night, depending on where you're going. And you're not really getting back until the early hours of Sunday morning, depending on what your bookings are. And then if you're like me, you got a, you know, full schedule of work the next week. And, um, you know, then you, you, you start over and you do it all again, try to make sure that you, you, like you said, stay healthy, you know, eat my vegetables, take my vitamins, get my workouts in and all that good stuff. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something, it's something else for sure. Well, you say, you know, take your vitamins, eat your vegetables, you know, most people, uh, were a kid when they started uh, first heard or started watching pro wrestling, you know, what got you into it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It, that, that is a question I get asked a lot. And I always kind of, there's not like a, a specific memory that like comes into mind. There was never like a point in my life where like I saw something like I saw Hogan slam, you know, Andre the Giant. I was like, oh my God, like that could be me one day. There was never really nothing like that. I, um, I remember vaguely, you know, watching, you know, WWF at the time, you know, on Saturdays or Sunday mornings, whenever it was when I was a kid. Um, kind of consistently watching that. And I never really talked about it, like with friends. I, I don't know if it was like I was embarrassed because wrestling was kind of like a weird thing. It wasn't like a real sport. Um, but I never really kind of opened up to friends that like this is something that I did. So um, not until like I got into to high school years did I actually realize that there were other people that were kind of into the same thing. And, and that kind of pulled me into like this group of, of a group of friends that were doing some backyard wrestling, which I'm sure you hear a lot from indie wrestlers as to how they start. So, um, you know, once we kind of started open up about that and, 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 and everybody else was like, yeah, we, we like this, we do this too. And um, somebody kind of opened my eyes to ECW at the time and being able to watch ECW after watching WWE and WCW for so many years, um, it made me kind of realize like, this is something like that I could do. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a bigger guy, but I'm not six, six, 300 some pounds. I'm, you know, I'm six two, I'm, you know, two thirty at this point, but at that time, you know, maybe a little over six foot, a little skinny one ninety or whatever I was. And I just remember seeing some of those guys in ECW and thinking, these are normal guys. These are normal size guys. And they're really getting a platform to, to really show what they can do. And, it kind of at that point is when I would say that this sort of became like a reality for me. And, and uh, you know, so again, was backyard wrestling and, and kind of evolved from there to eventually getting trained, eventually getting on some actual indie shows and, and moving forward. So what was your, some of your fondest memories watching ECW? Oh, man, probably the best memory that I have is me and two of my best friends. We were probably 16 or 17 at the time. And again, I'm in the Cleveland area. We drove down to Dayton to see heat wave. I believe it was 99 um, yes. in Dayton. The hair and, arena. Yeah. 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 Hair arena. Exactly. And uh, it wasn't necessarily the first like live show that I had ever gone to, but it was the first big live show because ECW would do like the Masonic temple or like the Agora, like up in the Cleveland area. But this was a pay-per-view and this was a huge show. And like I said, we were 16 or 17 years old, taking this three, three and a half hour car ride together, going down there and watching that. And, I just remember, you know, the Dudley boys and the stuff that they were saying to the crowd and, and you know, it, it just got people enraged and, you know, super crazy. I think did like a, a side moonsault off of a balcony at some point. Um, 
big fan of Tajiri. I think Tajiri wrestled Taz on that show, maybe, or at least they had some kind of interaction. My memory's a little fuzzy, but um, that was one of the fondest memories that that I definitely have, you know, in those early, early kind of stages. So when you're watching wrestling and, you know, you're at the Hair Arena and you're seeing the ECW guys, and they are very much everyday average guys, as we've learned from Mikey and Jerry have talked to us and We've learned a lot of the stories about how a lot of those guys still had nine to fives. They still had day jobs and then they would come and they would do this until things really started to take off with ECW. What drew you to also to ECW? Was it the violence? Was it the fact that it could look like a riot could break out at any point in time? Because at that time you had WWF and WCW, which were very cartoony, very almost very movie like. Mm -hmm. But this was almost like Fight Club. You never knew who was going to come out. Blood was everywhere. Beer, alcohol, all this kind of stuff. Girls scantily clad. I mean, it was the the Skinamax of pro wrestling. So did that, be honest, did that also have some level of appeal that it was like, whoa, this is a little raw? Yeah, without a doubt. Like I said, being 17, 18, you know, years old at the time, that's obviously, you know, what what you're kind of drawn to and you laid it out pretty perfectly. You know, I'm watching this stuff on TV and it almost seems like it's so far away because of how big everybody is, how um, sort of uh, choreographed everything is. The, the the production of it is so big and extravagant, and 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 then all of a sudden I'm I'm in the arena, and you know, uh, roadkill spits and it hits me. You know what I mean? It's so close that it's it's right there, and you know these guys, and like I mentioned, the Dudley boys just dropping F-bombs and and calling women in the crowd whores and yelling at like little, you know, little teenage girls and uh, Tajiri getting barbed wire wrapped around his neck and Taz plexed. And like you said, the blood and stuff like that. Absolutely. Like being, being a, a teenager, you know, at those times and coming from backyard wrestling where I'm sure you guys know, you know, you kind of go more extreme when you're in the backyard um, and seeing that we could do what we did there in our own backyard, but also in a ring and kind of cleaned it up a little bit. And there was, there was a market for that. People loved it. They, they ate it up and and, and they loved every bit of it. That absolutely drew me to it. It was, it was something completely different than uh, what I had been watching all those years, you know, that I described earlier, Saturday, Sunday mornings. Now all of a sudden it's, you know, these late night, like bar fight club type atmosphere shows. And you're, I'm, I'm right on that age group where it's like, that's what's cool. That, that, that's what seems like, you know, that's, that's kind of raw, raw footage. So what made you uh, go serious and try to go into a training, you know, what you do to look into schools? Yeah. Um, so as I said, I, you know, kind of started in the backyard, like everybody else does. And I kind of, I think I went maybe a little bit of a different route than most people go is that I, at the time thought, that my backyard group or the group of guys that we had and the stuff that we were putting on was, was really good. And we should give that to the masses. So being in in high school at that time, um, we started having some shows where we would actually have, you know, we would advertise at our school and, and have friends come to the shows. And, you know, one time we had probably 200 kids in, in one of my friend's backyards, you know, charging a dollar a ticket at, at that time being, you know, young kids and, um, you know, late, late nineties, early two thousands, I was like, this is, this is incredible. Like we can actually do something with this. So my next step from there was to say, we need to get a wrestling ring. Like we need to buy a ring 
and actually try to do something. So um, pulled some money together with some friends, bought an actual wrestling ring, found a place that we could set the ring up um, and actually have sort of practices and then do shows there, there monthly or, or semi uh, month every two months um, out of a building untrained at this time. Um, but we did bring in some guys. Um, I don't know if you guys are obviously familiar with like Matt Cross, Josh Prohibition, who like at the time had kind of laid out the blueprint for guys like me in my area. Um, you know, they were doing, you know, CZW and XPW and stuff like that at the time. And I was friends with them. So I would have them come in to our our sort of little training atmosphere and kind of show us a couple of things here and there. Um, how to lock up properly, you know, how to do, you know, some, some, some chain wrestling and stuff like that. Um, and I'm not crediting them with training me by any means, but it was just kind of like the first taste of it while I was trying to sort of almost run our own sort of promotion. So we started to kind of have shows, pretty much untrained shows, but in a building in a wrestling ring. So it felt more realistic um, at the time. And that went on for a few years until eventually I, I was um, ready to move off to college. So I, I kind of moved away. We kind of put that all to rest. And I kind of stopped for a few years at that point, one, two years to kind of finish up my school and get my degree. And then um, after that is when I kind of got back into contact with Ricky, Ricky Shane Page. And he was just getting ready to start training himself at that point. And um, I went with them and we trained out of a school in Elyria um, under Chris Cole, who had been trained by Chris Hero. So we kind of went through training together and then got ourselves on on some shows together. And we started, you know, at first we were kind of always getting booked on the same shows to wrestle each other. And then eventually we decided to form a tag team together. And that's kind of where Faith and Nothing came about. And, and that's the majority of the career at that point is we kind of drove around and were together as as a tag team and and worked that way so you're starting i mean before you even really start your career you're already a vince mcmahon here you're already a promoter right. you're already getting tickets sold making yeah. a little money yeah. um so you got all that going for you that had to get the juices flowing even more like hey now you know got the ring you selling the tickets doing all these different things um you took time off in college. Did you still follow wrestling when you were in college? Did you still kind of keep up with it? Or was it kind of like, I got to, I got to put it on the back burner for now. It was pretty much on the back burner. You know, like I said, it, it did definitely sort of running my own promotion. I use the term loosely because I know we were all untrained, but again, we were still putting on shows in a building in a ring. And um, it did kind of, like you said, keep those juices flowing. Um, we thought we could do it better than anybody else could do it. That's why we sort of tried to do it ourselves, you know, um, but yeah, it, it did kind of go on the back burner and it wasn't something that I really thought about that much until I sort of reconnected, um, with Ricky and, uh, you know, he was like, I'm, I'm still going to do this. I'm still planning on doing this. And I was ready to kind of finish up and move home at that point. And I was like, yeah, you know what, let's, let's do this. Why not? Like now's the time. It's always been something that I wanted to do. And, uh, and, you know, that's where we kind of picked up there and, and started our, our full-on career, made sure we were training a couple times a week, driving out to Illyria, getting in the ring, learning how to do things the right way, um, learned so much. You know, I thought we knew everything, but, you know, learned so much about psychology and, you know, positioning and just how to do everything the right way and, and kind of took off from there. Well, you sit there and, you know, you're on shows 
versing Ricky. And isn't that how most tag teams end up? You know, you're, you're, you're working each other, working each other, working each other. You know, you guys know each other inside and out. Then, you know, you become a tag team. Yeah, we were already traveling together, you know, everywhere. Like I said, it was, it was, you know, that during that time we were getting booked together. I, I can't really remember exactly if that's how we were kind of saying it. It was like, hey, you know, we can we get on your show? We'll bring, I'll bring a person, we'll have a match, you know, instead of the promoter kind of deciding what to do with us or, or how to bring these kids in or what to do is we'll both come together. We'll put on a match at your show. And, you know, so we're obviously in the car a lot together. We're, we're training together. We're spending a lot of our time together until, you know, at one point, like I said, we just kind of this light bulb clicked and we're like, there's not a lot of people at this point. And now we're talking uh, maybe, earlier 2000s, 2006, seven, something like that, where we were like, there's not a lot of people who are doing just tag teams You where, where you're saying, I want to get booked just as a tag team and and we're going to kind of be just a tag team. And we decided to kind of go for it. And and, and that's what we stuck with for, for several, several years. And it, it really worked for us. Like we were talking about, you know, before we actually started recording, we just have great chemistry together from being friends, being around each other so long. It just sort of made sense. And, uh, I still enjoy it. I still, you know, every time I get in a chance to tag with them uh, to this day, it's, it just, it feels right. It feels, it feels good. So when you first started to get bookings, how hard was that? I mean, I imagine it probably wasn't the easiest thing in the world. Did you have to make phone calls? Did you know people who knew people who were putting on shows who you could somehow kind of use them as a conduit? What was that like? Because sometimes it's feast or famine, especially when you're when you're trying to get your foot in the door. Yeah. So we're I mean, we're talking about the days before social media or just like the budding days of of MySpace, you know, which was the, the platform at that point. So we're not talking Twitter. We're not talking Instagram. There's not this immediate connection to be able to just connect with anybody anywhere. And like you said, send an email or, or ask a question like that. But I think what really helped out uh, us and what really helps out or what's smart for people who are just getting into business now is if you train at a school that's a reputable, reputable school that also has their own promotion and puts on their own shows, that's, that's a launching pad for you right away because you're going to get on their shows. Once you're on their shows, um, you're at least going to get your name out there. You're going to get seen by some other people. And as long as that promotion is not, you know, some weird promotion, they're going to have relationships with other promotions in the area. And, um, you know, we can kind of branch out from there. So, I mean, we started um, with that promotion that we trained at in, in Illyria uh, called Mega Championship Wrestling. And then from there kind of launched off into other things that were in the Cleveland area, Cleveland All Pro Wrestling. Um, AIW had just started at that point in time. We got on their shows. Um, from there to kind of reach out even further, like you said, am I making phone calls? What are we doing? We're actually typing out uh, letters, putting together demos, putting together resumes, putting them in a package and, and physically mailing them off saying, will you book us on our show on a show? Will you look at um, this demo that we put together? Um, somehow finding the addresses, like I said, through MySpace or Facebook or something like that. But I, I clearly remember he and I sitting there and you know, making copies of this resume that we had and, and kind of dubbing these different sort of highlight reels and and putting them in envelopes and addressing them and sending them off so that we could kind of get out of the state of Ohio. 
Yeah, I'm in Cincinnati, so I, I completely know what you mean by getting out of the state. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where there's a lot of exciting things happening outside of the state of Ohio. Right, for um, sure. So you're getting on these shows, you're getting booked, you're getting experienced now. Uh, obviously, your your demo package is working. Did you ever get any comments from promoters who say, man, this was really cool that you guys put this package together, or I'm really glad you sent this package? Any type of feedback like that? We, we would get bookings from it. They would, you know, they would contact us um, through email or things like that. And, and, you know, they would, they would let us know that it was kind of professional. It was put together professionally. Like it, it wasn't me. It was, you know, Ricky or people that he knew were actually good at some editing software so they could kind of put together some actual good professional looking DVDs and things like that. We, we got advice from some other, um, you know, veterans at the time. They said, you know, just put maybe one short match, maybe a couple minute highlight, and then show that you can actually cut a promo that you can actually speak. So it was very short. It's not like we were sending out a DVD with 10 matches on it, expecting somebody to sit down for an hour and a half and watch everything that we had. So, um, you know, it, it seemed like we had some help. We had interest. We talked to people. One other thing that I actually forgot to mention that really helped us out is that at the time we were able to get on um, Cleveland All Pro Wrestling was on a local uh, television channel. So they had shows that sort of aired on this Sports Time Ohio network. Um, you know, I can't remember all the details or what time it was on, but we were actually on TV on a, sort of a local channel at the time when we wrestled on these shows. So that really helped us out as well and, you know, put some more eyes on us. It, that was, show was more far-reaching than we ever really understood because we would get to places outside of the state of Ohio and people would say, I saw you on this show. Somehow their cable package picked it up or whatever it was. So that really helped us out as well. You know, you, you talked about the training and, you know, the camaraderie with the guys and whatnot. What would you say or who would you say was the most influential when it came to cutting promos? I mean, a lot of times we've talked to people who say, man, that was probably the hardest aspect of it. Cause when you're performing, you're doing your thing, but you're not necessarily having to talk a lot. Um, was that something that you felt like you picked up pretty quickly? Or do you feel like that was, there was kind of a genesis of it where it was like, okay, I'm not super comfortable. And then all of a sudden you really start to hit your stride and you're like, yeah, now I'm looking for mic time. That's a, that's a great question actually. And I, I don't think I've ever really thought about it that much to be able to sort of name a person or name a situation. Um, and I guess I'm going to maybe toot my own horn a little bit here. I, I think that I've always been intelligent and well-spoken. Um, and I just think it's something that kind of came naturally to me. And it's, it's, it was weird because at the time with Ricky and I in a tag team, he wore a mask and he never talked. So it was always me. Oh, like, Cutting I'll put the pressure on you. Exactly. So it was always me cutting the the, the verbal promos. And uh, I, I think it was something that just kind of came naturally to me. I just, you know, um, would just put myself in that mindset of, you know, what, what we wanted to put across. I think I understood, like, what our characters were. You know, we were just kind of two bigger guys, kind of, you know, badass dudes. And um just kind of a, just aggressively attack the camera. And he and I used to always joke and be like, one take, one take. We just got one take. So I think like in the back of my mind, it was always like, you got one take. Let's make it happen and and kind of get the point across. And, and like I said, maybe with these promos that are these uh, DVDs that we were putting out, short and to the point. I'm not drawing it out. I'm not telling long stories. It's this is what's going on. This is what I'm going to do to you. This is who we are. 
we'll see you there type of stuff. And, um, you know, maybe for some other people, they need to kind of contrive that a little bit more and to tell more of their story and kind of get more into who their personality is. But for us, I think it worked. We were this sort of hard hitting, fast paced tag team and the promos kind of followed suit. It was just bop, bop, bop to the point, shoot it out there and, uh, and let's go on to the next. Well, Vincent, I'm going to sit there. Hope there's no pressure. No, I'm not cutting a promo. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, You're going to have me cut a promo? <laughs> no, no. What we got here is a – He's not pro- going to come back if you do something like that. <laughs> no, no, no. What we got here is I got a promo from, I found on YouTube of you and uh, Christian Faith from 12 years ago. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is your life, Vincent Luffin. Oh, yeah. About Matt Mason and Robbie Starr capturing the OCW tag team titles. Well, you know what? It's pretty easy to capture those titles when you wrestle a bunch of no talent hats in front of a hillbilly audience for OCW. Well, let me tell you something, Matt Mason and Robbie Starr. On January 17th, the competition is going to get a little stiffer because faith and nothing are coming to OCW. Wow. <laughs> How about that? So there you go. So, so less I'm, tattoos, little more hair. You know, that's 12 years. That's what 12 years does to you, I guess. It, in a promo, you always, I feel like this always has to be the phrase. Well, let me tell you something, <laughs> such and such. You know, right. I love that. I love that line. It always makes me smile. I think you got your little your little things or your little sayings that have just buried themselves in your brain from watching so much wrestling over the years that if you're just kind of going off of the cusp, and, and like I said, I didn't try to think too much going into a promo. I just wanted to say, let's roll the camera. Let's see what comes out. Um, and maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. It depends who it is. But um, like I said, I think you have these things that kind of burrow yourself, burrow themselves into your brain that uh, as you're kind of ad-libbing and going off of the cusp, they just can't help but come out. So, you know, as you said, I probably heard that phrase a thousand times or however many times. So, you know, as you're kind of flowing and you need these sort of transitional phrases or these transitional words to kind of keep you on track, they just they just kind of make themselves, you know, pop out. Uh, I've always wondered how the name came about. You know, was it something that you got, you and, and Ricky were like, okay, you're going to be this, I'm going to be this, and then, this is our tag team or, you know, how'd that come about? So with, with Ricky, that name, um, I'm not sure where that came from. That'll be something that we'll save if, if we can get him on here. Excuse me. But um, that was, you know, obviously that's a play on words, Christian faith. He was sort of used that sort of religious aspect, um, but sort of went like a dark way with it. And, and the name kind of worked because Christian is, you know, a first name. And then you add that faith at the end and it takes its own sort of meaning. Um, with me, my first name is actually Vincent. And, you know, at the time, I guess there's a couple different avenues that sort of made me come up with just nothing. It was simple. It was straightforward. Um, a lot of guys were always something, not to, not to be corny, but guys were something. It was, you know, uh, you know, my name's John Blaze or I'm, you know, Mike Ripper, or, you know, whatever. And I was like, I- I'm nothing. I'm, I'm Vincent, nothing. There's, there's, you know, I, I can be just sort of this bare bones, raw thing. I don't need this flashy name. I can get by on Vincent, nothing. And um, I sort of believe in a little bit of this nihilistic approach. So that sort of helps me as with, with using the name, nothing, 
it's got a cool little play on words where, you know, I can use little slogans and things like um, believe in nothing, which again, takes a separate meeting when I'm, you know, I say it about myself or become nothing or, you know, we are all nothing or something like that. So it just kind of, it, it was something that I, that I liked at the time. It had sort of a darker aspect to it. Um, and as I said, I just wanted to say, make a statement and it's, this is me. This is who I am. It doesn't matter what the name is. I'm, I'm Vincent nothing. There's nothing behind it. I'm no one from nowhere. I'm nothing. Um, so I had that name and Ricky had the name Christian faith. And um, as I said, we kind of started out always facing each other and wrestling each other it was actually, I hope I get this right. It was one of our friends who would drive us to shows girlfriend who at the time when we said we wanted to be a tag team, she said, you guys should just be called faith and nothing like Christian faith, Vincent, nothing. But again, this other play on words, faith in nothing. And we were both just like, Ding. like that, that let's, that makes sense. That's great. Let's do that. So um, that's sort of how that came about. Uh, I can see it now. This can headline any indie show. Vincent, nothing takes on Jake something. You know, you don't know how often I hear that, you know, so maybe someday that'll happen. I'm sure he's probably hears it all the time too, but um, that's, that's, that's something that I hear a lot of the time. People are always like, we need to do something versus nothing, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe we will. I've actually never met him face to face. I mean, I, I follow him. I know who he is. He's obviously a big guy. He's doing some great stuff, but um, I think at some point somebody's definitely going to do that because like I said, I, I hear it. I hear it very, very often. So I, I don't think you're off base with that. Well, you're definitely going to get it paid because you don't do something for nothing. There you go. That's what they're going to name the show, you know? <laughs> so you're going along your career. You're getting booked. You're doing different things. You, you know, you got your tag team right now. You're starting to feel comfortable with working with each other. You get on these different shows. Was there any veteran who in a locker room or maybe before a show, after a show, getting something to eat, ever pulled you aside and, and gave you some words of encouragement or any advice or said anything just even in passing that still sits with you today? Yeah. Um, I, there's probably two people when we talk about like actual veterans, when we were sort of on our way up that always come to my mind. Now, in terms of if there's like a specific phrase or a specific situation, um, I don't think I can kind of pinpoint one, but people, two, two, two wrestlers that always kind of, looked out for us or would actually sit there and talk or if I asked questions to would actually answer um, and kind of give little tidbits of information, whether you picked them up or not. You know what I mean? Maybe just in passing, like you said, would say something, maybe not directly to you or I overheard them talking to somebody else that always picked them up was um, JT Lightning, who was a sort of a Cleveland, Cleveland guy. And, uh, and actually Tracy Smothers, and I'm not, you know, trying to jump on the, the Tracy train, but, you know, I'm sure you've heard so many great stories about Tracy, especially since he passed away, but he was on a lot of shows in, in the Cleveland area. And at the time that I was sort of coming up and Ricky and I were coming up, he was just, I mean, he's a larger than life character. And, you know, there's just these little, you know, tidbits of information he would drop or he would say or little phrases he would have. And I apologize that I, I'm sort of blanking on exactly what they are. Um, but it was definitely stuff from from him. And and as I said, JT Lightning, who was one of the earlier sort of promoters, that was also a vet that saw something in Ricky and myself that sort of gave us a push. And he's the one that had that television show 
um, that we were on. And I really credit him with, with sort of pushing Ricky and I and, and sort of giving us a push when he had that promotion sort of full of more veteran type guys and kind of getting us to the forefront um, of it. So, so those two are, are definitely the two that, that come to mind. But again, in terms of a specific thing that they said, I, 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 I don't have anything off the, the top of my head. When you were training and obviously even up to today, we often hear wrestlers say, well, I borrowed this from this guy. I borrowed that from that guy. Was there anybody in particular that you liked what they did that you saw that you said, you know what, I want to take this, but I want to modify it a little bit. Was there any inspirations for people from people who you saw in the ring uh, that you thought, you know what, I'd like to use some elements of this person or that person's kind of repertoire. Yeah, I really, I really like wrestlers that have this sort of undeniable intensity where when they're in the ring, they're actually blurring this line of do they hate this guy that they're wrestling? Is something actually going to happen here? Are they actually hurting, not hurting them, but you know what I mean? Causing them a little bit of, uh, of pain in the ring. Um, and I also sort of like, a I like that in, that intensity, but I like to blend that intensity with a bit of stoicism as well. So there's almost this, this switch where, you know, you come out, you're a very stoic character, but then there's these elements of these explosions of intensity. And um, I'm going to name a couple of guys that, um, that I, that I enjoy that from, you know, low key is one of them. Um, I, I really enjoy that aspect of him probably get murdered for this or, or at least torn apart. But Chris Benoit was another one of those where it was like, he just, he came out no nonsense, but there were times when that facial expression changed and he just seemed actually angry in there. And, um, you know, another, another guy was Taz from ECW. You know, he was definitely one of those guys who, you know, you, 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 you I guess you're seeing what I'm saying where they kind of come out, you can, they don't come out fire, when they come out of the entrance way and, and yelling and spitting and foaming at the mouth, they come out very stoic, very, um, you know, focused with, with their plan in mind of what they're going to do. And then there's these explosions of sort of, of fire or intensity, you know, in, in the match where it's like, Holy, holy crap. Like what's going, he just took it to another level. So those are a couple I can think of off the top of my head. Another guy who's very underrated, who I always say is my favorite wrestler. It's true. is Perry Saturn. I love Perry Saturn. And, and he was sort of in that same vein as well. And, and he's, he's up there as, as, you know, probably, probably my favorite wrestler. I just, I loved, I loved his look. Obviously we're talking, you know, ECW days and, and, and WCW flocked sort of stuff, not before the WWE got their hands in him and made him do silly stuff. But um, you know, any, any younger people listen to this, go back and look at some of that stuff and you can actually see who Perry Saturn was at the time. But yeah, those those are those are some of my guys. And as you can see, that that's a big ECW influence, a little ROH influence in there. Um, but um, yeah, I'd say that those are sort of the the things that I I sort of try to emulate or I like to see. What are some of your friends, parents, other people? What have they said about you being in pro wrestling? I mean, I know we've heard from a lot of wrestlers that they say. Um, Dad is kind of for it. Always wants you to make your, your education first. Mom, not so much. Mom won't even watch it because of you know, it's the fear of the violence and all that kind of stuff. Did you find that when you decided to go into pro wrestling, you got a lot of support from family and friends? Or was there support, but yet a little bit of hesitation? Um, so 
we'll talk about family first because family obviously knows that that's what I was doing and, and um, don't really have a relationship with my dad. So I came from sort of a single, single mother um, and she was extremely supportive as I, as I go back and uh, sort of talk about how we were starting to put on our own shows, you know, and had a building and, and stuff like that. Mom was there every single show. Mom was a carpenter. Mom built an entranceway for us. She was taking tickets. She was 100%. If this is what you want to do, then I, I want you to, I want you to do this. So um, I had all the support in the world from her in terms of friends, any friends outside of wrestling. Um, I, I try to keep my life almost this in this duality where I don't really talk about it and I don't really bring it up. And I don't know like what that is, or if a lot of other guys do that, I don't use, use it as, a thing to sort of talk about or brag about or, or, or that I, I sort of keep my wrestling life separate from my regular life as, as much as I can. So even people who are very close to me who do know that I wrestle, I usually don't invite them to shows if I'm in town and, and it's usually not a topic of conversation that I have. So I'm sure they support it because they know that it's something that I like, um, but it's not something I get into. I've, I've been very, I'm sort of a private person. I, I sort of keep my life separate in those two sort of silos. And, um, and that's the way that I've, that I've always been. Kind of a Bruce Wayne type of lifestyle right there. For where... sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a good analogy. And, and I don't blame you either because I think that there's a lot of people who very well may support it and be excited for you. But then there's a lot of, there's a big contingent of people who are bitter about it who have nothing but the nasty things to say about it. And so I don't blame you. I would completely try to avoid those conversations as well, because what's, what's there to gain? Yeah. And think about all the preconceived notions that, you know, of wrestling. I mean, it's such, I mean, we're the, the three of us obviously enjoy the business. Um, and we, we participated in one aspect or another, but think of how weird it is. Like, it's like, describe it to someone who has no idea what it's like to be inside or on the other side of that curtain. And that's just, it's not really a conversation I want to put energy in. Not that I don't think it's worth it. Not that I don't think it's great. Not that I don't love it. You know, not that it's not something I care about, but it's just such a weird thing. You know, sometimes I'm sitting in a locker room and I'm changing and around me are all sorts of people in various states of undress, painting their face, putting masks on, putting tights on, you know, pantomiming out what they're going to do. And I just, I, I have like these moments where I'm like, what in the hell is going on? Like, can you imagine if there was a camera back here and someone like didn't understand like what wrestling, how would you explain this to someone? And it happens to me, you know, almost weekly, every show that I have, I just have this split second where like I sort of have this veil lifted off my face and I become regular person again. And I'm looking at like, what's going on in this locker room. Some people are bleeding. Some people are, you know what I mean? It's just like, what are, what are we doing? Like, what is this? So, you know, I try to keep it, I try to, I try to keep it separate. You know, it's interesting from a fan's perspective too. I, I recently went to a, to a show and you're right. Like I, I teach. So I was, you know, I had my, school dress uh, outfit you know looking nice and being a teacher and i went right to the show after grading papers at my school and all of a sudden i come in and i got my tickets and i got my khakis and whatnot and i'm just going there to have a good time that that is it like no offense to people who want to dress up 
here's the thing. Wearing the belts, there's a lot of things that like, okay, that's cool. I get it. Put it in your house, right? Ritz got all these action figures behind him. Put it in your house. I'm not going to – no, I'm not going to do that because – Vince, there's going to be somebody that I'm going to walk up to or could yeah. know me. Oh, you teach my kid. And they <laughs> see me coming out with a belt in a New Day shirt yeah. and just looking like whatever. And I got a unicorn thing out of my head. How do you explain that? Then you got to have parent-teacher conference. And then they're wondering, what kind of loon is right. trying to teach my kid right. what's going on? So you're right. There, There is that the veil gets pulled up and you're like, okay, I like this. But I'm going to sit in my seat. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to enjoy it. But I'm not going to get batshit nuts about it. Right. And I feel like there's two different sides of people. Some people are cool with that. They're like, yeah, just go enjoy yourself. It's fine. And then there's another side that they spend so much money on tickets, they ain't paying the rent this month. Do you know what I mean? It's just that wide range of people. Yeah. So I digress. Yeah. But but then you have Freeland who goes to the show – dressed like the way he does, and then ends up on national television and looks like a deer in headlights. Wait a minute. That was all – hold on. That whole situation was because of Jerry Lynn. And then I went to go get a Sprite, and then they I came back to my seat, and, and they, they said, hey, we're doing a Moxley thing here. You're going to want to watch out, which that's not my fault. That's not my <laughs> fault. I look like everybody's dad. Moxley's walking through. I'm like, hey, John. And it just it caught on camera. And I literally look like that dad who's like taking pictures and stuff. It was a little whatever. Wrestling's weird. It is is weird. weird. You can't explain it. It's just Mm -hmm. different. Um, It's like cosplay in some ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really, really is. I mean, anywho. Yeah. Some, some people really use it, you know, it depends on the person too, you know, the, or the, the wrestler, some people really use it as their platform to, to get attention and to, you know, maybe live out this life that they don't normally have, or, you know, something that they feel. And like I said, mostly to get attention. I, I don't, I don't use it for that. I don't feel like I enjoy attention. I like the competition of it. I like the physicality of it. I like the theatrics of it. So it, I, I guess it depends on the type of person. I'm not saying one's right or one's wrong. It's just, like you said, there's this wide spectrum that, you know, people can fall in, whether it's a fan or you're a wrestler or, or what your situation is. And it's just really hard to explain to someone who's not involved in that in some way so you know going back to the original question that's that is why i sort of just have chosen to not i don't blame you yeah um you have a favorite moment that's happened so far in your career i mean it's been a long career so far but a favorite moment or a moment that at least in a top five that stands out like wow like on this night everything clicked everything felt right and this was just the exact reason it's like the stars align that night. Take us yeah. through one of those nights and, and how did it all come about? So um, this was this was the, the match was me versus Ricky. And it was after we have been a tag team for several years and I had decided that I was going to step away from wrestling. Um, I'd have to look back at the date. I think we're talking 2000. 
12 or 13 or something like that. And, and I just decided that I needed a break. I, I had had enough and I was moving on to something else. I don't know how closely you guys have kind of followed what's going on with me, but I went into MMA and kickboxing for a while as I stepped away from wrestling and started doing um, a more professional fighting career. And then I've come back to wrestling within the past a uh, little bit over a year now. But but again, I digress. So we it, the, the plan was that Faith in Nothing, the tag team that we had done for so long that a lot of people had loved in, in, in the Ohio area was going to be no more. Coinciding with that, Ricky no longer wanted to be Christian Faith. He wanted to lose the mask. He wanted to become Ricky Shane Page and just go by, you know, that name. So all of this stuff was sort of culminating into this storyline we were doing. And it was going to be this match where it was essentially the story was that I needed him to prove to me that he was able to be Ricky Shane page and not Christian faith and sort of be on his own without me in the tag team. If I was leaving and faith and nothing was ending, was he able to then continue on and be, you know, a wrestler by himself and sort of reinvent himself in that way. Was this an AIW? Correct. Okay. I think it was 10 years ago. Okay. So, so that, that was, you know, that was sort of the, the, the whole plan here is to have this one last match um, before I stepped away for a little bit. Um, Me versus Ricky after we had been a tag team for so long um, and to just kind of kind of figure out what was going to happen there. So I kind of went into it as a little bit of a heel because again, I was saying, you got to prove to me like who you are and this type of thing. And um, just the storyline and the promos and stuff that we filmed going into that match had a lot of meaning. They were all very real. We were both speaking very really re- real in the promos. Not there was any actual animosity towards each other, but it was more the past several years or the cu- past couple of years leading up to that. I didn't really have my heart in wrestling anymore, but I was continuing to do it because I knew that it was more his dream at that point, And we had come so far together and, you know, he was saying that he didn't really need me and he could go on his own way, blah, blah, blah. So we had this match. And I mean, I think it was a fantastic match. People could look it up. Like uh, Ritz said, it was AIW. Um, if they want to look up a couple of years, it was at one of their absolution shows. I can't remember exactly which show it was, but there's plenty of promos online. If you type it in um, on, on YouTube. And I think we had like a music video of the match and stuff like that. And, we just had this match where, where, like you said, everything clicked as, 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 as well as stuff clicked for us being a tag team together, it clicked wrestling each other. We sort of played that up. Whereas anytime he would go for a move or a sequence, of course I knew it and I would be able to cut him off and vice versa. And the match just kind of built to this point where, um, it seemed like I really had him down and that was going to be the end of it. He took some huge bump into some light tubes and stuff like that as, as Ricky likes to do. And, um, kind of dragged him into the ring and went for the cover and, and he kicked out and we were looking at each other and, and, you know, he, he said, I'm, I'm still the same. Like I'm still the same person. I'm the same person, like without the mask. And it was just kind of ad libbed and we just kind of went from there and eventually he won. And, um, I cut this promo after the match that again, I didn't really plan to do, but I basically said that this is the guy, you know, and, and he can do anything that he wants. And I don't know how closely you follow uh, Ricky, but I mean, he's unbelievable. He's super technical when he wants to be. He's a crazy deathmatch wrestler when he wants to be. He can do some high flying stuff for the size that he has. He's just amazing. And I sort of laid all this out in the promo and it just felt really good. And 
he was very appreciative that I, I did that for him. And, you know, I'm not going to say that both of us weren't given, you know, had some tears when we hugged each other and that was kind of the end we walked away. So that was, that's absolutely the, the most memorable thing, memorable match, memorable build to a match um, that I had. And, you know, I, I just, yeah, he's, he's the man. And I'm, I'm happy that I got to, to do that. And, and he said that he needed that. It wasn't just for the match for the crowd and the story. He said that personally he needed to have that match with me um, and to have it go that way so that he could feel like he was putting a, a sort of a, 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 you know, an end to that tag team chapter and then starting, you know, his career as Ricky Shane Page. And if you followed him, I'm not saying that it's because of that, but you can obviously see where, where he's gone from there. And, you know, who knows how that would have played out for him if, if we didn't have sort of that closure match and, now that we've come back around, obviously we still tag team together a little bit when we can and, and things like that. But at the time, that that was the one, and that's the one that kind of sticks out in my head the most. Oh man, like what was it a year ago? You and I were talking about when I was asking before we went on the air. Like when I sit there and seen that first little little promo video of Faith and Nothing getting back together, which I think it was supposed to be originally a, a one off, wasn't it? Uh, we we never really said what we were gonna do, but it was it was specifically for a show that we were gonna have our first tag team match together again. Yeah. And, and so, what were the thoughts? You know, seeing him teaming up with him, going through the curtain, the crowd reaction. Yeah, fa- I mean, fantastic. So, I mean, you talked about COVID early on, um, and it, it, I during this time that I was away from wrestling, as I said, I. Um, competed in mixed martial arts. I competed in kickboxing, but I also opened a gym and I had a strength and conditioning gym um, that I, I used for my business. And Ricky would come up and he would work out. And eventually he and I had a partnership where he was going to start a school, a wrestling school and run it out of the gym. So, you know, as I said, we were never away from each other during that time. We were always remaining in contact. We've always been, you know, great friends. I consider the, I consider him a brother. So, um, he's actually had a lot of great wrestlers come out of his school that was located within my gym. So, you know, Atticus Koger, Eddie Only, Otis Koger, um, all of these guys are Ricky's students that I met and they stepped their first day in the ring um, in that gym, which is which is also awesome to see how well that all those guys are doing, you know, those 440 guys. Um but anyway, he eventually decided to close his school and those guys went on and started wrestling. And I know I kind of maybe I'm rambling a little bit here, but what had happened was when COVID hit and wrestling sort of slowed down, the, the initial shock of COVID, we're talking April, you know, whenever that was, 19 or 20, I can't remember, but um, everything blurs together now. But um, that initial shock when everything shut down, um, I also had to shut my gym down. Um, I couldn't train clients there anymore. But um, I would have Ricky come up and we would still work out just he and I, you know, I didn't have, have any classes or anything like that going on up there, but it was still a place for us to work out and for him to stay in shape and for me to stay in shape. So I think that's when we really started talking a lot more about what he was doing, what his plans were in wrestling. Um, and it just kind of relit this fire in me. The more time that he and I had face-to-face, one-on-one together, working out in this gym, that dynamic sort of came back again. And um, that's when we made a plan. And I had decided that, you know, I was I, I wanted to, to wrestle again, which led to um, 
that booking that you're talking about, Rick, um, that we we sort of re-debuted that weekend again as a tag team. I also had some singles matches that weekend as well. Um, but to do that, man, it was it was amazing. I I I feel so comfortable in the ring with him. You know, it, it just sort of takes away all the nerves, all the things like that, having been away for as long as I was away. But to do that match again and know how accomplished she is, how good he is, it, it felt like everything fit back into place again. We were hitting, you know, tag moves that we used to hit however many years ago and everything just it flowed and, and it felt fantastic. So, um, yeah, that was that was great. It was, it was sort of surreal, actually, but it was it, it was comfortable, very comfortable. You know, as much as your your last match with you guys going back earlier in the conversation was a definitive moment for both of you, he needed to go on to be Ricky Shane Page. You need to go on because you needed to take a a different path for a while. And sometimes you got to go away to be able to come back. And we often hear that phrase a lot in wrestling. But think about it from this perspective. Let's say that that hadn't happened. He might not have opened that wrestling school, he might not have passed along his tutelage to these other guys. You would have not had a chance to open your gym and explore avenues that you wanted to. And you might have always looked back and said, well, I really wish I would have had a chance to do this, but you did it. And then you you found your way back to each other. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a romantic movie or anything, but but, (laughs) but it's, it's just, it just, I don't know. It really feels like everything happens for a reason. And I know that's super cliche to say that, but it was just like you left, you ended, you put the period at the end of the sentence, but that you'd found your way back and you guys are happy and you're doing what you love to do. And I don't know, for me, that's just such a neat thing that that last match really solidified for both of you. And it's set up for what was to come years later. And, uh, it just feels very movie-esque in a lot of ways when I hear you say that. Yeah, that's a that's a really great way to summarize it. And I appreciate you saying that because I think that's what I'm feeling. So to hear you say it means you're you're getting it. But yeah, I I one hundred percent hundred percent agree with that. We wouldn't be where we are if we hadn't done what we had done and 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 all the things that happened had happened. And like you said, it, it sort of came back around, you know, full circle, even though he and I aren't doing a full time tag team schedule I you know I'm probably 80 percent singles um, but a lot of times even when I'm singles we still travel together we're on the same shows together um, and whenever it makes sense you know we we do take tag bookings and and uh yeah it's 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 something yeah it's definitely something else to to like you said circle back and, and come back to that and through those years and through that time that I was away staying in contact with him I always followed his career because again why wouldn't I he's you know one of my best friends and um it just, it did. Maybe I felt like something was missing and to be able to kind of, to, to, to bring that back and, and, and get back into it really, really made sense. And to have someone like him that I can sort of rely on and, and it's, it's changed now. He's, he's sort of my mentor now, you know, when at the time we had started together and we were sort of on this same trajectory, you know, the same years in the business, the same sort of knowledge and et cetera. I really look up to him and and he's sort of a mentor now. And that dynamic has changed, but it works. That's awesome. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully really quickly, Rit, before you get to your question, hopefully this is many years from now, but um, I don't know, just to put a period at the end of this whole story, (laughs) a final retirement match at some point between the two of you guys. And it's a, 
to double count out with you guys both laying there right next to each other. I don't know. It's just yeah. you, you start getting it going. You know what I mean? It's just so yeah. exciting. You have such a phenomenal story, and I am so happy for you where you're at and so appreciative of, of where you've been, where you've come from, what you've done, and what you continue to do. So with that being said, I will turn it over to Rit, who is now going to take this wonderful, beautiful moment that we have and completely throw it out the window with this <laughs> most ridiculous question I've ever heard in my life. Here we go. Okay. Okay, Vin. Hot tub time machine. Okay. You can go back in the time to any wrestling match in history. Take somebody out and put you in the match. What match is it and why? So this is a tough question because I'm not like a wrestling historian. And it I, I'm not the guy who's like, at, at this year in this place, these guys were were in this in this match together. Um, I'm I'm very much not a uh, like I said a wrestling historian. Can I maybe change the question and say like some guys that I would like to wrestle or something like that at at, hey, at their time? Hey, I followed you for <laughs> for many years. You can do whatever you want. Okay. So one one match that I never got that I would love to have is uh me and ricky versus the uh the briscoe brothers and we'll say like at their peak maybe in like roh or something like that so whatever year that would be um in in ring of honor when the briscoe brothers were sort of at their peak uh, me and ricky versus them so whoever was in a match versus them and a great storyline maybe it was a ladder match for a belt or something oh, like that. hit so the bricks you're out pull them out and and put faith in nothing in and 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 that would be my answer man all I know is the fans are definitely getting their money's worth. Yeah, that would be that would be a good hard hitting crazy match. We would we would love that. So yeah, sorry to all the wrestling historians out there and the fanatics and the guys who know everything, but pick pick whatever show they had that had a big match on and, and pull the team out and, and put us in and, and that's what I would do. I, I do have to say this uh before we we wrap things up. I always get these and don't look at me when I say this, but I get the I I get these visions. I'm not like Miss Cleo, okay? But I get these I get these visions in my head of when I see somebody, I automatically draw a connection to somebody else. Okay. Yeah, that's, you, fair. that's fair. You remind me of Lance Archer. Okay. The murder hawk. If you had those dreads, boom. You <laughs> remind me of Lance Archer's. Have you ever been told you remind them of anybody? Uh, one person said I remind him of Carl Anderson, but I think it's just a bald head beard thing. We all get kind of lumped into the same category, but um, I don't think anybody's ever, you know, said anything else about me like that before. Well, I tell you what, it has been a pleasure. We've enjoyed every minute of this. Um, hopefully, can we twist your arm to come back again and and talk more wrestling? I would love to. I, you know, I enjoyed it. The time kind of flew by. I think we only actually really scratched the surface. We didn't really even get into stuff that I've been doing lately. It was a lot of past. So a, a nice segue would be into kind of what's going on now. And Ritz said, if we could get, uh, you know, Ricky Shane Page on here and the two of us together, um, if I can get him, you know, to do that, that would probably be even, even more fun. So I can put a feeler out to him, but even if he's not available, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to come talk to you guys again. I, you know, I, I think it was great. I appreciate it. We, uh, the thing about Rit and I, we're like, uh, we're like two old retired women sitting on our porch. <laughs> we talk forever, but we really don't say a whole lot, <laughs> but it is a pleasure to talk to you and let's definitely do it down the road again. 
I would love to. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate you reaching out to me, Rit, and, and having me be a part of it. And, um, you know, it was, it was great to be on here, Mike. And you guys ask great questions. And as you said, you know, maybe you don't, we don't get to a lot, but it, it's good conversation. You know, it's, it's, it's good conversation and it flows. So I, I think we got, we got a good thing here. So hopefully, hopefully everybody else enjoyed it too. So yeah, let's do it again. Sounds good. We will talk to you down the road, my friend. Appreciate it guys. Take yeah, care. You got it. Wow. That was cool. And the the whole premise, if I'm if I'm saying this correctly, is about getting to know their story. People can mark out about championships and this and that. I want to know who the person is behind all of that. I want to know what makes them tick. I want to know moments like that. And to hear that story, to know that he cared so much about one of his close friends that he wanted to help him reach that next level when he knew he was having to step aside for a while. And then it comes full circle. I'm sorry. It's got a little Andy in, in red, a little Shawshank in there as well for all of you who've seen the movie. Um, but very, very cool. And hopefully we can get Ricky on here as well and get them uh, both together uh, tag teaming. It, it, if they uh, both end up on the same time, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the interview. I'll let you take over and, you know, just fan out for a little bit. But Freeland, yes, that was, that was our one. That was our one. Can you believe it? Why does it sound like a commercial? That was our one. But guess what? There's more. So we're gonna we're gonna step out. We're gonna take a little break. Everybody's gonna get a little bit of drinky drink, right? Right. Yeah. This. All you have to say is yes. I'm gonna get a drink too. You guys get a drink at home. Throw us a little quick commercial. When we come back. We're going to have another great guest. It's going to be who's who's joining us next, right? Do you want to tease everybody that it, uh, it's all you? I am so excited. I am so excited and so happy. We're going to have Ruby Rays joining us. And when we come back, we are going to find all about Ruby Rays here on Front Row Material. Rit, hit the commercial button and we'll be right back. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. shirt too sexy for my shirt so sexy it hurts and I'm too sexy for Milan too sexy for Milan New York and Japan take it and I'm too sexy for your party too sexy for your party no way I am disco dancing I'm a model, you know what I mean? 
What was that? What was I had that? To bring, I had huh? to bring us back in. Yeah, you did bring us back in. Welcome back. This is Front Row Material. My name is Mike Freel, and I'm joined by my follically challenged friend. His name is The Rit. It is our number two, and uh, we are going to continue with the hard hits. Joining us right now is Ruby Rays, and she has done just about everything. I was reading some notes she'd sent me, and from her education to the world of wrestling to her family to her background there's so many things so many layers to unpeel kind of like an onion but once again just like our very first guest there's so much to get here that i feel like we may have to make it a two-parter maybe a three-parter because there is there's so many stories that i think can be told so you know what instead of me talking i'm gonna Freeland, shut up Freela, first things first yeah let's just make it through the first one because she might not want to come back after a second one. I'm I'm trying I'm trying to set this up for like a re- repeat. You, you a- can set it up all you want. She's already trying to uh, break me when I'm trying to interview Vin in the mm-hmm. back. I saw that. Yes, it worked. It did. it did. It worked very well. You know what? Let's bring in the lovely, the vivacious. Here she is, Ruby. How are you? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? We are well. We are well. Uh, we're so happy to have you because been waiting for this for a while and love to get a chance to hear your story and share your story with our audience as well. Thank you. I'm glad to sit here and talk with you guys. I really feel like my camera up down is wrong. Do I need to switch? It, my camera? I was say if you turn your phone the other way. <clears throat> there we go. And now I'm off center. How do I? Don't worry. It's always off center. Yeah, yeah. you're you're, you're nope. perfectly fine. This side, this side, that side. What do I do with my hands? <laughs> all right. So so let's just kind of get into it here. Um, first of all, how have you been? I mean, I know the world's been topsy turvy, upside down with with COVID. Uh, some places were running shows. Some places were running 
limited capacity shows. Some people weren't able to. We heard this from a lot of people. You know, I'm not able to get as many bookings as I used to before, depending on the state. So how has this affected you in your life? Absolutely horrible. <laughs> Absolutely horribly. Um, for those that don't know, I am in Southern California, where we have the L.A. County hotspot of California. So a lot of things have been canceled. A lot of things aren't running. Things that get set up to run end up getting canceled because of new mandates or this or that. Um, just personally, as a professional wrestler, I've had a lot of out-of-state bookings that got canceled because spots ended up becoming hotspots, such as I was supposed to do a couple shows in Austin. All of them got canceled. Um, Otherwise than that, I'm great. <laughs> like, there's still, uh, there's still hope. There's still life in this world. We're still alive. I've got the ocean. I've got bodyboarding. I've got surfing. Level up down here in San Diego with B-Boys running as much as they can. So I'm lucky to find a second home there. Santino Brothers is back in training. So that's going really well. Um, it just kind of sucks being a California wrestler right now. I'm not going to lie. Not a whole lot going on. It really isn't. You're in San Diego. Happen to be a Padres fan? I'm not in San Diego. Oh. <laughs> I'm in San Diego a lot because I'm, I'm down a training with uh, Level Up or uh, just going to hang out in San Diego with B-Boy and all of them. I am actually in Ventura, California, a very little-known spot. We're south of Santa Barbara. Like, if you take L.A. and then you take Santa Barbara, I'm, like, dead in the middle of it. So I'm about an hour and a half north of L.A. Where would, for, not to turn this into a geography thing, but where's Riverside? In the Inland Empire, which is essentially, um, you go down to L.A. and then you keep going east toward the desert. Gotcha. Okay. I have some friends who live out in that area, so I'm always trying to, in my mind, picture where they're at in relation to Los Angeles. So here's me at the beach. Then here's Los Angeles. Then here's the Inland Empire going inward more. Okay, so it's got to it's got to feel good though. I mean, to to live by the beach, get out there, soak up the rays, hit the water, um, as opposed to places where where I am, Ohio, and there's just a, a dirty river and uh, places that we call a beach, which we basically it's just a giant lake that we've put beach or uh, child's play sand all around. It's not really a beach, but it's got to be fun to live in a place like that. A lot of us would describe that as kind of a paradise situation. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if I walk out my door to get in my car and drive to the beach, it takes me a maximum of like 15 minutes. And wow. um, that's going from through my city to the freeway and then exiting. And I go to the furthest beach that I could go to. Um, it's great. I grew up on the beaches in Southern California. I grew up bodyboarding. I grew up uh, in the sand, dirty being in the water to my lips turn blue, <laughs> like all that, all that is what I loved as a kid. And um, the good thing about the pandemic is, is it took me back to what I loved because of wrestling. I had stopped going out bodyboarding and everything that I did. And it's been 13 years now that I hadn't done it. But over pandemic, I got a chance to figure out, well, what am I going to do now? Well, I always said, when I can't wrestle, I'm going to go surf. So I got back to surfing. I got back to, uh, you can look in my closet and there's a surfboard in my closet. I have two bodyboards. I have one in my trunk, one in my office. Uh, so it's nice. It's nice having that there. It's a nice release, you know. 
You know, a, a lot of people have told us that, you know, the pandemic was not good, but there were some aspects that were kind of kind of nice for the wrestling uh, aspect of it because you can let your body heal. You can at least not have to be traveling so much. You, you actually can have some you time um, for a little while. Now, obviously not to the extent of what it has become, but a little bit of downtime is always kind of nice just to be able to kind of collect yourself and to reignite some of those passions that you have outside of wrestling and to be able to kind of explore yourself. Because I can imagine that you just get into this robotic routine. Here's another show. Here's another city. I got to travel here. I got to take my bags. And, you know, when I talk to Jerry, uh, he, he basically says there's times when you forget what city you're in. Because every hotel room starts to look like every other hotel room. Every every meal doesn't necessarily always taste that great because it's the same meal you've had before. So being able to have a little bit of downtime definitely is, is something that probably from a mental standpoint and a physical standpoint is nice for a period of time. But then obviously, you know, you're in this business for a reason. You want to get back on that horse and, and keep on going. Um, the first thing I want to kind of get into is you came from a family of athletes and really, really hardcore athletes. So talk to us a little bit about that and then obviously how that kind of had influences on you. Uh, well, directly, uh, my brother was a state championship wrestler. He was good enough that he got scholarship to go to the John Hitchcock wrestling camp. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but that's for freestyle wrestling. Um, he was amazing and i actually started learning wrestling from my brother about let me see he was in high school so it means i was about seven eight years old uh i took my first german suplex at about eight years old Whoa. um it, yeah it sucked <laughs> they called it a souffle but uh that's the wrestling term for a souffle uh i hit my foot on the nightstand and i cried and i cried and i cried and then i asked to do it again um, but my brother's the one who initially taught me wrestling. Uh, it was very map-based, freestyle wrestling, Greco-Roman type wrestling, a bunch of that. My dad was a wrestler and a boxer in high school. Um, my grandpa was a boxer. He also dabbled in wrestling. It's been very much in my family. Like combat sports, sports where you learn to defend yourself, were very much the norm in my family. Heck, even as a child. Bonus, even as a child, when we do family reunions, we have a family ranch where the family all gathers. Um, we go to the family ranch and at reunions, as a child, they would put boxing gloves on us and have a duke us out with our cousins. Um, and it was always, it didn't matter if it was a guy or a girl. Like, it, you know, here's a four-year-old against a four-year-old. Hey, let's go. And it wasn't like, don't. Don't think baby fight club, you know, where we have to, you know, tap out more bleeding too much, whatever. It was all, like, <laughs> it was all in like good fun. Like we'd go in there and like, tap, 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 no, I don't want to be, you know, then that kid is done, whatever. Um, but <laughs> it was really cool, like uh, growing up in that sort of environment because it always taught me that it doesn't matter who you are, a guy or a girl, you got to learn how to defend yourself and you stand up for, you know, whoever you are. So that was great. But yeah. My family has been a family of fighters, be it athletic fighters or social justice. My family fought alongside Cesar Chavez and the farm workers um, union. They went on strike. We lost our houses. We lost family homes and stuff like that because we were fighting for the rights of people. 
So being a fighter it has always been in me and been in my family. You know, it's when we say fighter, it, it kind of uh, morphs into many other things, not just the physical stuff, but the heart, the passion, what you believe in, your morals, your values. I think being a fighter is about perseverance and it's about your character. And I think that really dovetails well into your career as far as everything you fought for and, and you've worked to get to where you are. Something I thought was really, really interesting about you is you're big into art as well. Is that right? Very much so, yes. So tell me a little bit about how you got interested in art, uh, how that all kind of happened, because all of this is part of the story that kind of leads us into the world of wrestling. So tell us a little bit about your love of art. So essentially, I've always I've always loved art. I always loved photography. I'd like in a perfect world, my ultimate job would be to show everybody what I see through my eyes and the beautiful things I see, the bad things I see. Um, I want to show the world just what I see through my paradigm, through my eyes. Back in, goodness, 2005, I had a very weird job. I was a club personality. So essentially, I was an influencer before influencers were the internet thing. I got paid to write about going to clubs. I got paid to go to clubs. I got paid to socialize with people. I got to pay to dance and drink and hop dog and be a socialite, essentially. <laughs> I did that for two years. And in those two years, while I was at the club, I started taking my camera out with me, taking pictures. And next thing you know, I'm getting paid for taking pictures. I had gone to a traditional college, essentially, and I got kicked out for a very low GPA. It was below a 1.0 GPA. <clears throat> That's how I got kicked out of community college. However, I did good at this art thing, and a lot of my pictures were popular, and I got to sell some, so I decided to go to art school. I went to art school, and while I was there, we had to choose a field of specialty. And I chose, um, like, basically concert photography and sports, because those are two I really liked. Sports photography, I actually met someone at my job. You probably heard of... Um, Maybe not George Johnson, who also knew Youth Suicide. Okay. If you know anything about the backyard scene, <laughs> he knew Youth Suicide, which was right out here. They were doing backyard shows around my town. So I started doing professional wrestling photography for backyard. And then I started doing professional wrestling photography for professional spots. And that's where I met Joey Chaos and, you know, Jezebel, a bunch of people. And that led me to want to be a photographer for WWE. However, at the time, and I'm dating myself, back when I was in art school, it was like 2006, they had certain standards of height and stuff that they wanted for the photographers. I did not meet that. I am too tall. <laughs> they wanted people under five foot six for ringside photography, and that was not me. Now, wait um, a minute. Why, why would that play a factor? I mean, talent is talent. I mean, what? I, I'm just confused. Oh, so was I. <laughs> So I was in art school, and when they, we started having to reach out to figure out what we're going to do afterwards, I said I wanted to do WWE ringside photography. Apparently, that was their standard. They wanted five foot six, blah, blah, blah. I'm guessing it has to do something with the ring height and being in the way of cameras and et cetera, et cetera. But they, they had, back then, they had standards of what they wanted for the people that would shoot for them. Also, there were no females shooting for them at that time. So I was a female. Um. 
they had room for portrait photography. However, I was studying visual journalism, so that didn't matter. Uh, it had nothing to do with portrait photography. I don't have that high a megapixel camera. I don't know what to do. Um, but because I started doing photography, ringside photography, I actually wound up shooting for a bunch of promotions. Took me across the United States shooting for promotions where I met what would come to be my fiance, now ex-fiance, who was my gateway drug to being a professional wrestler. That is an awesome segue right there to, you know, getting into wrestling itself, being introduced that way. Continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually, I always wanted to be a wrestler. Honestly, it was the Attitude Era that bought me to want to be a professional wrestler, mainly because of China. China was very unconventional. She had unconventional looks. She had an amazing physique. She had a ginormous presence whenever she was in the ring. Uh, she was very inspirational to me. And even before then, as a child, I watched Glow. Yes. I love the Glow Girls. And seeing such women empowered and in power was like my first thing. Oh, yeah, I want to be like Hollywood. I did want to be like Hollywood. <laughs> I want to be like Hollywood. I want to be like mine. <laughs> you know, I love the bad girls. I, I wanted to be like them. So it's, it was always in my head that I wanted to do this. And the Attitude Era brought it back again. And then me being a photographer brought it back again. So it feels like there's always been some sort of draw that brought me back to professional wrestling. So that leads me to essentially where I actually got into wrestling. I was managing Tyler Bateman, Funny Bone, and Drago, now known as Simon Gotch. Um, I was managing them in a trios. And when we were the Violence Unlimited, that was our name. When they broke up, I stayed with Tyler Bateman, and I stayed managing him. And the manager to wrestlers seemed to be the natural and easy progression because I learned everything on the road with Tyler for five years. I managed him, and I learned my my bumps, my my this, my that. You know, I learned all these things just watching professional wrestling, being that close, and being backstage. You learn so much. So the progression from being a manager for five years to being a professional wrestler became super easy. So. I've gone through the line. I've been the photographer. I've been the manager. I've been the wrestler. And now I've even been the booker and storyline writer. So it's it's been a lot. <laughs> it's It's been a very interesting career that's taken you all over the place and allowed you to fulfill a lot of things that, you know, from a creative standpoint, anybody who's interested in, in the arts has a different eye for things. Um, they see things, they are able to perceive things in a different way, and they're able to present that. And I think that really lends itself well to wrestling, where it's all about the visual, it's all about the perception, it's all about creating this, this experience that if you can capture it. Um, so when it comes to wrestling, obviously, you know, you'd mentioned Joey Chaos and Santino Brothers. I'm a big, big, big fan of Santino Brothers. I follow them. I watch their videos. Um, I think Joey is, in my opinion, one of the realest people. And sometimes that gets overthrown sometimes. But he explains things so well so the average person can understand it. Uh, doesn't use wrestle speak, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little about what your experiences were uh, with Santino Brothers, because I would love to hear some more of that. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. So the year that I started grad school at USC is the same year that I started at Santino Brothers. It was June of 2013. I was moving to LA to go to grad school at USC. At the same time, I started with Santino's. My classes were me, 
Joey, Joey's wife, and one other girl. Essentially, I got private lessons from Joey when I started at Santino Brothers off the bat. And that was amazing because the his wife, obviously, she already knew, knew how to wrestle. Um, the other girl that was in the class wasn't there necessarily to be a wrestler. She was there because she wanted to learn some stuff and get physically fit. Because if you've ever done a wrestler's workout, it is taxing. Um, I was the one who was there who was trying to be the training wrestler. So whenever it came time to do stuff in the ring, Joey was always, all right, let's go. Let's go, Ruby. Let's go, Ruby. Let's go, Ruby. Before I knew it, and before I even felt like I was prepared, Joey's like, get in the ring with me. Okay. We're going to wrestle. Okay. <laughs> you know, here I am with Joey Chaos. And, and it it was amazing how natural it came to me because of all those years that I did spend learning with Tyler Bateman and learning on the road and meeting people and having people like Ricardo Rodriguez, like uh, Chris Evans, like Benny, a uh, B-boy, you know, a bunch of people taught me along the way. So it was very natural and chaos gave me about three months of private lessons before I got his blessings to go take bookings outside. In his words, I was trained. He just cleaned me up and sent me out into the world. Um, Training with Joey is very interesting because he's so positive. For a man who had the persona that he did in professional wrestling, he's so positive and he's so, yeah, you could do it, you could do it. Um, it can't help but inspire you as well. Uh, at the same time, Joey is very much someone who will put you through the ringer without really letting you know that he's putting you through the ringer. And it's very interesting how he does this. So let's say that we're there at a warm-up session. We're doing 100 squats. Not bad. Easy day. Easy day. You know, we're doing 100 squats. 100, you know, 98, 99, 100. Yeah. Then we'll go 50 more for the wrestling gods. You're like, right, another 50. 49, 50. Yeah. 10 more for the wrestling gods. Ah, and then he just, he adds things on without you really knowing that he's slipping these things into you. But like he says, uh, treat yourself. Don't cheat yourself. All those things just go to help you more in the ring. I like that. Um, the Santino brothers, I watch a lot of their instructional videos that they basically kind of pull back the curtain and they let you know, hey, this is how this happened. This is how that happens. And I think what I get from most of it, what I take away from most of it is there is so much work that goes into just perfecting one element of it that the level of dedication to this profession is insane. It never stops, and it is very demanding. It is very taxing. So tell me a little bit about what would the difference be between when somebody is, let's say, coming into training to be a valet versus somebody who's coming in to specifically train to be a wrestler in the ring. Does it kind of start out the same, and then at some point it branches off? Well, so before uh, Santino Brothers had – just the classes, like classes, like beginners, intermediate, advanced, semi-pro. Now, however, Santino Brothers came up with this new system where they still have the wrestling classes to go beginner, intermediate, advanced. However, now they've added these things called advocate classes, whereas a separate class, you're not training with wrestlers, but wrestlers will go train with you. So if you want to be a manager, if you want to be a referee, if you want to be a commentary announcer, 
you know, depending on what you want to do, that is not a professional wrestler itself. There is this other class now. So, and I, I'm maybe I'm not answering your question question correctly, but they have this this class. Um, they just actually ended their first 2021 session. It was on Tuesday nights, where everything else production wise goes and trains at this class, and then they'll do wrestling matches. So they pull in wrestlers to this class to do matches for the commentators to do commentary for these matches, for the lighting people to give the lighting and all the fog and all this for these matches. Uh, host, you know, announcers announce the people. So it, there's this difference now. Back in the day, however, you would just had to go through, I know you had to go through beginners, you definitely had to go through intermediates, but I think after intermediates, you could stop if you were going to be a manager or if you were going to be like a commentary or a referee. However, we have some referees at Santino's that are dang amazing wrestlers too, because a lot of the times wrestlers, sorry, referees, managers and all that, they have to learn how to take their bumps. They have to learn yep. what's going on in the ring. So they have to go through all that training too. Yep. So it's kind of cool. I really like the new system they have. I think it makes it better because it gives more focus to the advocates, to every, to the everything else besides the wrestler. And wrestlers also able to help them too. So did they ever have anybody go there for become a referee, but then they were just, you know, called on really quickly. So they were like, hey, uh, why don't you, uh, you know, try to become a wrestler? Okay, so I don't know if you guys know who Ref Jeremy Marcus is. He refs, uh, he refs for New Japan. He refs for Santino Brothers. He refs for a lot of places. He's one of the people where I've sat there. I'm like, why aren't you a wrestler? You're in such good <laughs> shape. You do such great wrestling. Uh, he's like, no, my body can't handle it. You know, a lot of a lot of um, times they feel like their body can't handle it, or you know, they couldn't take doing all the bumps, or they can't do. You know, maybe as much of the travel as you have to do as a wrestler. But there was Jeremy. Jeremy's one of those where I was like, should wrestle. You have a great body. You're a great wrestler. You're a referee. I want to, I want to be a referee. And he's done great. He's at New Japan. He does a lot of stuff. Amazing. Yeah, it is interesting to find out, you know, when you look at somebody, and no matter what the profession may be, you're really good at X, but then you find out where they really want to do Y. And you feel like you should convince them, no, do X, you're good at it. But some people want to be the next Earl Hebner. Some people want to be the next Mike Chioda. I, as much as some people want to be pro wrestlers, some people literally just have that thing for wanting to be in a different element, a different aspect. They want to be involved, but maybe not all the attention on them, but they still want to be part of the part of the show, which I, I totally get as well. Yeah, I met um, Aubrey uh, she was going as girl, girl Hebner, and now she's at AEW as the like, you know Aubrey, Aubrey from AEW. Like yeah. she's amazing at what she does, and <laughs> she's one of the people I'm like. Do you want to be a female wrestler too? No, <laughs> but but look at her now. Like she does, I mean, what she's doing is awesome. I love the fact that wrestling now is empowering women and putting them at the top of the card as well. I feel, and I may be in the minority of this, but I didn't really like the whole 
Divas Championship and the Braun Panties matches and the pillow fights and all that. I felt like it's it was kind of like yeah, it sells tickets. I get it. Yes, they're probably making a good living at it. But I mean, at the end of the day, some of these women do aspire to be taken seriously and they deserve to be taken seriously. And you're never going to know what some of these women are capable of doing unless you actually put them in the position to succeed. And I think China was a, a great one. Trish Stratus was a great one. They, they kind of started to break that ceiling. And then the leaders came around as well. And then the Molly Hollies. And you started to see, oh, my God, these women are really good. And yes, they have incredible looks, but they also have the ability to tell a story in the ring much, much more than just ripping skirts off and stuff like that. Did you ever feel like, I get it, it's a show, but this stuff over here, it, I don't know. Do you think some of the girls ever have any second thoughts about what they were getting themselves into with when it comes to some of that stuff? So when I first started wrestling, I, the whole point why I went from a manager to being a wrestler, besides the fact that I wanted to wrestle was the fact that I really wanted to help Southern California, California women's wrestling. I wanted to help it get on the map. I wanted to show there could be good female wrestling because as a manager, all the matches I saw, I'm like, why aren't they, why are the girls not doing this in the match? Why aren't they doing these moves? Why aren't they doing these moves? And um, I was just told that's just how girls wrestle. And I'm like, no, like, I don't, why aren't they pushing the envelope? Why aren't they? Um, but when I started first wrestling, I was highly offended when I saw a match here in Southern California and the girl let herself be put over a guy's knee and spanked and stuff like that to the l applaud of the audience. And that got me really mad. As time progressed, I noticed girls feeling like it was okay to go back to that, that sort of thing where you're getting spanked or a bra and panties match or this and that. And it got, it got, it got me really upset. I, I'm going to speak for Southern California. I feel like we've fought too hard and come too far to go back to that. Mm -hmm. That we are worth more and we could do more and we're more athletic and we're more talented than to have to just, you know, throw our tits out or throw our ass out or something to be able to get the applause. We don't have to do that anymore. We have better training now. We have better mentors now. So when I think back to WWE, to me, Diva is kind of like a a, a bad word to me. Um, for a lot of the things they did, I felt like that hindered women being taken very seriously as a wrestler. And I know, like, I personally know some of the Divas from back then now. Um, but I feel they probably did what they felt like they were having to do. Because if you were in a position with a company who's like the creme de la creme and they're telling you to do this, like back then, think back, it's like what, the late nineties at this point, early two yep. thousands, late nineties, times were way different then. We couldn't speak out. Absolutely. So we can now. So I feel like a lot of the times they did what they did because that was what they were told that they have to do and we really don't have a, a choice. But now we do. Now we do. And I think now we definitely have better training and better mentors and better opportunities that we don't have to go that route. And the, nowadays, we even have, you know, companies that focus solely on the women's. You have Shimmer, you have Mission Pro out there. 
you know, and gives you guys a, a platform to show what you guys can do and show that you guys can, you know, be just as athletic as some of the guys are. Oh, absolutely. Um, when I went and I did Shimmer before the pandemic, <laughs> the fall before the pandemic, um, being in the locker room with that much talent is just, it's, it's humbling because you have people like cheerleader Melissa, you have Mercedes, you have Soraya Knight, you know, <laughs> uh, Jessica Havoc, you, you have all these people, Kimberly, that are amazing. Um, you have that spot, which is definitely 100% female wrestling. I'm not sure that we have any other spots that are 100% female wrestling in California, in the United States. Oh, Shine. Uh, but I think it's important to have those spots. But more importantly than having those spots, it's very important to have females on a card and not just one match. I know that seems to be like, and then we need the girls match. No, we need more than just the girls match. We need, you know, it'd be great to have two matches, but convince the promoter. I don't know. We'll see. You know, we had an interview with uh, a friend of the show, and we have a tremendous amount of respect for Lufisto. And she fought for women's rights up in Canada as well. And I tell you what, when just like what you said before, it pissed me off. I took offense to it. And I basically said, we are not going back. And she basically had that same feeling, you know, north of the border. And she said, no, this is not right. This is wrong. But it takes trailblazers. It takes people like you speaking up. It takes people like Lufista speaking up to basically say, we need and we deserve to be treated on an even playing field. And, you know, with what Rit mentioned as well, I mean, what I love about Mission Pro is it's it's an all-women's promotion run by women as well. And I feel like people like Thunder Rosa as well is, is really highlighting the women as big stars, and they are. And they're drawing great crowds, and they're getting a lot of exposure and attention to their talent. Let me ask you this. Um I know guys to a certain degree, Rit and I have talked to, gosh, buku people about this as far as looks, as far as, hey, you need to do this. Hey, you need to do that. Um, you need to put on masks. You need to do this. Tell us a little bit about what it is like on the inside with just the the way women are judged when it comes to wrestling. And some promoters are more hypercritical of certain things. Have you ever run into a situation or know any stories about how somebody could be really talented, but a promoter, somebody might say, well, you need to do this or you need to do that before, you know, we put you on a show, which I feel like a lot of women get unfairly judged when it comes to the, the looks category. I feel like it's the other way around. Really? Um, so me as a professional wrestler with my looks, my size, my stature, I'm five foot nine. I'm 220 pounds. Nobody has ever told me you need to lose weight. You need a sexy up. You need a this, you need a that, blah, 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 blah. Uh, nobody's ever told me that. I think that's because I feel a niche that isn't in necessarily. You will find a lot in female professional wrestling. I'm the taller. I'm the bigger. I am, you know, you, you stand me up. I had a match against Jessica Havoc. You stand me up. We're almost nose to nose. She's a little bit taller than me. Uh, Andrea. I don't know if you guys know Andrea the Giant. She's not much bigger than me. But there, there is a niche for the uh, big girl. Which is fine. I've never been told to be sexy or be this, that, this, that. However, when I say I feel like it's the other way, if you are the sexy girl 
if you are the I'm showing a lot of stuff, you know, and I'm going out there and I'm doing what I do, um, you could be not as good of a wrestler and you're going to get by. And it doesn't matter. Um, if you're out there and you're showing off <clears throat> and you're beautiful and you're showing off your body parts, it becomes a lot easier for you to get a booking, which, okay, good for you. You're getting a booking, but you're not, uh, but the ones that aren't talented, you're getting a booking off your looks. You're not getting a booking off your talent. Right. And that happens very often. Um, what happens also is like, let's say they're getting, uh, these girls are getting these bookings because of their looks, not because of their talent. Then you come to someone like that isn't so beautiful, that is super talented. She's probably not getting those bookings. Why not? Because they're looking for something. And I think I'm going to um, talk, mention a promotion, uh, Stardom. Kind of, I, I feel like Stardom kind of sees it. And I, I feel like they kind of understand it. Where in wrestling, when it comes to females, you're the beauty or you're the monster. You're the beauty or the beast. You have to be one or the other to really excel. And if you're the beauty or if you're the beast, if you're the beauty, you don't have to be that talented because you're the beauty. If you're the beast, you have to be the one that makes sure you take care of someone because you're going to throw them around everywhere. Right. If you're somewhere in the middle and you're not the beauty and you're not the beast, then you better be super, super talented to get recognized. And I feel like I know that I've heard that's the way starting books by. And I feel like they might kind of get it because I feel like that's a thing that comes to United States wrestling as well. If you're the beast, you have to be the beast. If you're the beauty, you have to be the beauty. The in-betweens get a, it's, it's like the middle class. You kind of get screwed if you're in the in-between. Yeah, no, it, it, it does make sense because now that you mentioned that I can think back to numerous times where I've seen, I've been at a show or I've watched something on TV, one, uh, promotion in particular they will remain nameless they tend to do that um they tend to put more looks ahead of talent uh, most recently there was a talent that was gone for quite a while she's uh now back um and okay so here's something that bothers me so let, let's use eva marie for example okay and not to throw names out but just for the sake of conversation um i don't know if i would necessarily say she's on the high level of talent but Dewdrop, which is the name she has in WWE, if you followed her in her career outside of WWE, she's wickedly good. However, she is given the character of being this friend. And that's the perfect example of what you're saying before. Somebody who does not necessarily look like Eva Marie doesn't mean she's not attractive. But because she doesn't, she then becomes the best friend to somebody who is less successful in the ring. And I think that is really the the sh situation that you I think you're kind of talking about that faces a lot of people. You know, you're either the knockout that unfortunately can't do a whole lot or has a limited ability, or you have somebody who doesn't fit that mold, but they can go and they will get the fans really into the the matches. And I can see from a female perspective how absolutely frustrating that would be. Um, it's, it's never been frustrating to me as a person. Um, it, it's never been frustrating to me 
for my jobs and where I know I'm getting hired. However, I definitely see it as frustrating when I see, and not naming names, females that are, I'm going to sound shitty when I say this, they're not good wrestlers, but they're getting these opportunities and they're getting these bookings solely based off their looks. And a lot of them, they don't, they don't think, <clears throat> it sounds like I'm going to talk shit. They don't think that they're getting these opportunities because of that, because everybody blows smoke up their ass. Like, oh my God, yeah, you're so good. You're so good. Guess what? They do that to me too, but I'm fucking smarter to think and be like, no, I know I needed help in this match. I know where things went wrong in this match. Tell me what's wrong. Tell me through the critiques. But a lot of people, and maybe it's just the nowadays generation, nowadays, uh, how people operate, they don't want to hear the bad. Mm-hmm. But I feel like as a wrestler, you need to hear the bad. you got to hear what's wrong. I know what I do well. That's fine. I know what I do well. Tell me what I did wrong. I want to know this. But a lot of people don't want to do that. They they want to hear that they did right, and this was great, and this is great, and this is great. Okay. I'm going to go back to the beauty, the beauty of the, the match or the ring or whatever. Um, if you try to approach a lot of them and tell them what's wrong, they don't want to hear about it. They want to hear what they did good. And maybe it's not just them. It's a lot of people. They just want to hear what they did good. And if you tell them that something is wrong, well, but the fans liked it. Okay, that's fine. The fans did like it, and that's great. But this is wrong, and this is why. Well, yeah, but okay. You need to stop because you're just, nobody you're wants just wasting to your breath. Or, yeah, you know you're wasting your breath. Um, I think for women in general, for women's wrestling, we need to be as a whole more open to all the criticisms that we get, and not just try to take everything that makes us feel happy go lucky. Like I said, we all know what we do good. Tell us what we do bad, and that's hard to hear, and that's the stuff we need to hear. I think that also kind of boils down to people who are willing and wanting to grow and those who are afraid to grow because they may be exploited by the things that they are not that capable in. So they try to emphasize on, well, what I did right instead of, hey, you know what? This was good, but you also need to make sure you're keeping an eye on X, Y, and Z. Um, From a lot of conversations that Rit and I have had, And I kind of had a feeling about this, but I've learned this a lot by doing these interviews. Egos are extremely fragile, extremely fragile in wrestling. And everybody does want to get the accolades and Mm -hmm. they want to definitely be praised and showered with praise. But, you know, talking to Jerry Lynn and, and getting to know him over the years, he was always the type of person that would say, what else can I do? That was fine, but how can I get better? And it seems like there's that there's that group of people who see what they do and they say, okay, this is fine, but how do I take it to the next level? I'm not content with this. And it's in any profession. Okay, I'm not content with this. I will never be content. And someone once told us in an interview, I'll never be content until I'm where I'm at. And then even when I'm at that, I still won't feel content because that's just who I am. I push myself. And mm-hmm. – I think those are the type of people that you want in your promotion in your company because they are going to continue to strive to get better and not rest on their laurels and say, oh, well, last show was really good. We're just going to keep using that that same formula. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And I've been very, very fortunate to be around people in professional wrestling, both men and women, uh, kind of a lot more men, just 
by numbers, um, that are those people that will be very honest with me. Tyler Bateman, uh, or known as Bateman right now in ROH for one, is a person who I could talk to. He will always give me the truth. You know, I've been fortunate now to work with PCW with uh, Sheik at PCW, where he's always handing me the truth and the people that he brings in there. I could have them watch my matches and give me those critiques and stuff. And they'll tell me the truth. Like if you have any of those people in the corner that will tell you the truth under any given circumstances, those are the people that you want around you because those are the people that help you grow as a person, as a performer, as a wrestler, that those are also the people that keep you in the back of the mind when they're like, Oh, she wants to grow. She needs, you know, she should have these opportunities to grow. He should have these opportunities, you know, whoever you're talking about. Um, but it's, you need to find, as a wrestler, you need to find those people that will be upfront and honest about you. Honest about you, which is very, the, the key word, because that's where you're going to go. And that's where you're going to learn. I agree. Um, gosh, it's it's so fascinating being able to pick somebody's brain here. Um, we're here with Ruby Rays. If you're just tuning in right now, thank you so much. We appreciate that. We've been talking about wrestling and, and not only your family, but you know, your academics and how you are big into the arts and photography. And, and that kind of led to, you know, the pro wrestling and the Santino brothers. Let's kind of take a few steps backwards. So once you were officially cleared and ready to go, training is done. Um, then again, obviously you're always learning something. So training's never technically done. When you first get out there, uh, what was it like? Was it hard getting bookings? Was it hard to make contacts with people? Or was it a situation of, man, my training facility, my trainers, they took care of us. Uh, they did kind of introduce us to some people, and that just kind of started to snowball. Um, it wasn't hard to get bookings at all. And I, it has nothing to do with Jilly or Jilly reaching out for us or um, – you know, he does, but by the way, he does. He does try to help us out a lot. Um, what it came down to for me was the matter of fact that I was a manager for five years before I ever got to train to be a wrestler. And yeah, in those five years of managing, I did battle royals. I did tag matches as a manager, you know, not as a wrestler. I'm a manager going to this match. And then um, I had my very first singles match before I ever got fully trained at Santino's. But a lot of the times the wrestling industry is so starved for female talent that it doesn't matter even if you're fully trained or not, they're already knocking at your door. So before I even went to train at Santino Brothers, when they saw that I had my first singles match, my inbox was already bing, 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 hey, come wrestling. I'm like, no, I'm not trained. 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 Um, that was also a driving factor for me to actually get trained was these people were reaching out to me. Uh, once I was trained, people that were more knowledgeable, such as Bart Kipitsky from AWS out here in California was hitting me up. Um, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't hard. Like I said, I was a manager and Southern California and California in general is starved for female wrestlers. We have in Southern California, I will say six female wrestlers on any given date. Um, Wow. So recently I had a booking up here in Santa Barbara and <laughs> I was out at a wedding the weekend before and I wanted to get an eye infection from leaving my contacts in for way too long. <laughs> 
but I got an eye infection a week before my booking. And just as the week progressed, my eye infection got worse. And they're like, hey, can you help me find a female wrestler? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I reached out to my network and I reached out to different spots where I know females are. I could not find a, one female wrestler to fill one spot. Wow. Everybody like, was booked. And then some people were booked, but there was only there was only about six girls. You know, a couple of them were booked in Vegas and a couple of them weren't. And then there, there's there's not a lot. And it's really weird to think that Southern California is so huge, so huge. But I'll give us about six to seven wrestlers on any average given week that are females. That's it. Wow. So you got your career. It's going along. Is there anybody that you run into, um, whether it's at a show or wherever, that pulls you aside and kind of gives you some some compliments or says, hey, you know, I really like what you're doing? Um, any really good little one-on-one -on -one chats that you've gotten from somebody that was kind of important during the early stages of your career that kind of helped motivate you and keep you going that, hey, you know what? I am doing what I should be doing. I know throughout my early career, obviously Bateman, um, I was managing him and he was there for me when I had my first match. And as I went on, he was there while I started, you know, wrestling as a female. There's a promoter in Northern California, John LaRocca, who ran Premier Wrestling out of Gilroy, which is a really great spot. They did a more sports style wrestling where they kept track of the wins and losses. And um, he was one of the people that believed in me first. Oh my God. How could I forget? Roland Alexander. Do you know who he is? Uh, Roland Alexander is from the movie. Um, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Beyond the Mat. Roland Alexander was probably the very first person to ever really believe in me as a wrestler. Um, he, yes, beyond the mat, Roland. Um, he used to see me coming through as a manager. Now I'll tell you, Incidentally, the best and the worst compliment I ever got. He said, you know, when I first saw you walk out as a manager, I didn't think shit of you. Thought you were just another girl coming through here to bring her boyfriend through the paces at the APW garage. But then I saw you working and I saw you get the crowd to hate you. And I saw you get the crowd to hate your guy. He's like, by God, he called me the best corner man he's ever seen. Wow. And he told me that he cannot wait to see me as a professional wrestler because he knew I was going to start training. And um, I'm probably going to cry. <laughs> um, as uh, he knew I was starting training and I was getting ready to look for um, wrestling schools because, like I said, it was the same time where I was starting grad school. So I was applying to Palo Alto. I was probably in Harvard. I was applying to all these places and I strategically applied to grad schools that, um, had wrestling schools near them. <laughs> um, so I was talking to him about it. And when I, when he finally told me, just go what's best for the school and you'll find a wrestling school near you. I went to USC and I started Santino brothers and um, I was in my first, I was in my first semester at USC. Um, it was the fall semester, obviously. And, uh, he wrote me a message about how he was really excited that I found a school uh, that I was going to go to. And he was really excited to see me in the wrestling ring coming soon. And that he was going to book me at APW, the next show that they had. And 
And then he wound up passing. And um, when I heard he passed, I was actually in class. I got a message uh, from Benny that he passed and I messaged Bateman. And uh, I was in school, I left school that day. And we, the next day we drove up to Northern California, which is about eight hours away from us to uh, go up. They were gonna do a memorial show for Roland not the next day, like two days later, they're going to do a memorial show because they needed to raise money. And it was, it was very, uh, it was, it was nice to get to be in the APW garage and be in the ring. Um, it was sad that he wasn't there for it. And he was, he, he was literally like the first person that actually reached out that he believed in me. And uh, he gave me a lot of advice. I sat with him at his slam a couple of times and he told me what he thinks I should do. And he gave me a lot of advice on how to get through it. Um, and I never deleted those messages. I have them. I have them in my Facebook messages. But yeah, it was Roland. <laughs> Roland, Roland is probably the one that stuck out the most. Roland cared a lot about APW. And he cared a lot about everybody. I mean, you know, with, with Mike Modest, uh, that was a big thing, obviously, in the movie. And he treated everybody like family. And it was one of those things where, and you don't find that a lot when it comes to, at least back then, um, with schools that, that really made you feel welcome. And especially when somebody who's been in the industry as long as he had, you know, saw you and really kind of gave you that inspiration and that kind of kept you going, which I think is amazing. And that's got to be incredibly tough, incredibly tough. Um, losing somebody in general is hard, but losing somebody who believes in you and gave you that special, that special thing that you can't get from everybody, especially when it's something you're, you're doing that you love doing it just, it resonates with you for forever. And I think that is an amazing story. And I'm glad you, you shared that. I, it's sometimes they're not easy, but I do appreciate you, you sharing that in a personal message as well. Um, he, he, Roland, Roland, I know uh, I hate seeing, you know, when people talk shit about Roland um, and everybody has their own experiences with everybody, but to me, he was nothing but good and he was nothing but helpful and he was nothing but positive to me um and so that's the way I, I think about him in my head and i'm i'm really glad that i actually got to wrestle at the apw garage even though he wasn't there to see it he was somewhere above looking down so that's great and uh yeah i still i still apply i i still apply and i actually teach to younger generations a lot of the things that he taught me so this is awesome. Um, I I so badly, so badly want to do a part two as well with you um, because I feel like there's so much to talk about. Not only you as the wrestler, but you as the individual who's experienced so many things within this industry. I think our listeners would love to hear more of that. Um, we're, we're kind of backed up on the clock here, but yeah. <laughs> let me let me ask you this question here. Uh when it comes to wrestling, as far as how can people follow you and, you know, what are some of the social media platforms? If there's merchandise, where can we plug that as well to plug everything uh, that is Ruby? Um, just find me under any social media under Razor Pops. I made it really easy for all my followers. 
It's R-A-Z-E-R-P-O-P-S. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, probably like on a pretty much any social media site you could think of. Uh, just find me there. My website's down right now. Sorry, I'll fix it. Um, but everything else. <laughs> we are so, so happy. Uh, we got some questions here. Uh, what's more fulfilling at the end of a match? Crowd pops or the knowing that you had a technically sharp match? Ooh, excellent question. Um, knowing that I had it, you're, you're essentially asking me what's the difference between a good match and an overmatch. I'd like to know that I had a good match. Um, so that's knowing that I had a technically sharp match. But also at the same time, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of sad when you do have a technically sharp match and the crowd doesn't pop for it. You just don't want to get on top and just stand up and go, you morons, this was damn good. You didn't like it? Uh, go to hell. Go sit and spin. Um, no, I, I can definitely, and I know a lot of people who are, who are watching this stream right now can tell that you are very passionate about what you do. And you speak with a lot of conviction. And you have so much to offer even when you're done wrestling. And I know you had mentioned earlier that, you know, you're doing some booking and, and some other things as well. I love it when I hear somebody say, after I'm done in the ring, I would still like to stay in the industry and continue on. Can I assume that that is something that would definitely uh, go for you as well? Oh, boy. Yes. Believe me, I have one-off shows in my head, like, streaming already, and I already knew who I want for everything. And by the way, I did, I do book and produce Up All Night. I did before. We're getting back to Up All Night again. So for Santina Brothers, up all night, look that up. But um, yeah, if I if I can't do it in the ring anymore or something happens, I'm going to still do something. And it'll, it'll be something to show you guys some damn cool stuff. Well, you are beautiful. You are incredibly talented. And you got a heart of gold. And we are so thankful that we were able to get some of your time today. And once again, we are definitely going to sit down. And there's so much more that I would love to dig into here. But guys, please follow her on social media. I'm going to go ahead and put the links up there to her Twitter account. Follow her wherever you see her posting a show. If you were in the area, please go ahead and get your tickets as well. Uh, hit her up as well with any fan questions. Loves to interact with the fans as well. Ruby, uh, I know we've been planning this for a while. And thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I've, I had a great time. Well, we will do it again. And uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you. Take care. Bye. I literally want to have, and I'm going to date myself, a Barbara Walters 90-minute, no interruption sit-down because, like I said before, this is what wrestling is. It's about hearing people's stories about where they came from and how they got to here and the people that influenced them. And, and it is a very emotional business because – you are literally criticized on every stretch of the way. You think you get criticized at your nine to five? Well, talk about wrestling when you're getting passed up for people that, from a look standpoint, not even a talent-based standpoint, but to persevere and always try to get better and always try to find ways to improve yourself. I think Ruby is one of those people, much like Lufisto, who personifies grit and heart and I'm going to make some uh, text messages and some phone calls myself after this evening is over because I love to see people like that succeed. And I think everybody who's watching would agree as well. Man, uh, uh, you know me. Normally, uh, I've got to get that hot tub time machine 
I didn't think it was appropriate at the time. And I knew that you were going to be bringing her back. So hey, there's a time and a place for everything. And tonight just not was not that time. I, I, Rit, okay, and this is not to toot our own horn, but do you ever, after we do a show and, and, it's, and it's published on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, whatever it may be, do you ever go back and like really listen to an, a conversation we had with somebody because it was like, it was so good that you really got, not only was it good for the audience, but it was good for the wrestling community, but it was something that was important to you. It was like you felt a connection with somebody and you're like, damn, that was a really good conversation. One of my favorite ones to date has to be C.W. Anderson. Oh, my that, gosh. That one hit every every corner, every aspect, you know, and he was very open, you know, he hit a lot of our passions. Uh, we spent what the first 15 minutes talking about baseball. We didn't even get to wrestling, you know, and, and th- then he just opened up about everything else. And it, it was just great. Yeah. Love this. Love this business, but I love having these conversations more than anything else. I really do. And I want to thank everybody who's out there listening right now, watching us. Um, even if you end up watching this on demand after we go off the air, I just want to say thank you because it's because of the audience that chooses to tune in and listen um, that makes all of this worthwhile. And it helps us get the stories out and the messages out of some of these amazing men and women who are in the world of professional wrestling. You get to know them on a different level outside of what you see at a show or on TV. And if you would be so inclined, we'd appreciate it. Hit that follow button on our Twitch channel as well. If you want to see some of the other video interviews that we've done, uh, you can go on over to YouTube Go ahead and type in uh, Front Row Material. It's all there. Hit the like, subscribe. Um, so anytime a new interview gets posted by our social media team, you'll be able to go ahead and see that as well. Uh, well, we have a question. We have a question. Uh, yeah. They want, this uh, person wants to know who Freeland, in your opinion, was the funniest interviewee we've had. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's hard because some people have dry senses of humor, right? And it's kind of like they'll say something and it'll just kind of like, you know, fade into the conversation and you won't pick it up till a few minutes afterwards and you'll be like, um, first of all, we have to say Dan Barry. If you have not heard the Dan Barry interview, the man keeps it real. He's got zero bucks to give. Hilarious. Dan Barry would be one. Uh, what would be another one you would say? I have got two. Okay. In my opinion, one was Miss Pee Pee Poo Poo, Erica Lee. Erica Lee. Honk. Hilarious. I, I love that one. Yes. And another one that I thought was funny was Miss Kate. Miss Kate from Chicago. Yes. The Krispy Kreme girl. Because the comment you made and did not realize you made. Okay. Let, let's readdress this for a second. So. Really quickly, Miss Kate, uh, typically in some of our interviews, we'll say, hey, on a cheat day, what are you going to eat on a cheat day, right? As people say, yeah, I'll get like fast food, burgers, this, that. I'll go out for a big breakfast, whatever. Well, it was during the time when I was trying to get an Oreo challenge contest going. Oh, no, no, no. Not trying. We already got two participants. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. Hey, no spoilers here. No spoilers here. 
So I was kind of saying, well, on a cheat day, I, know I like to eat Oreos or whatever. And I said, so what do you like? And she said, I'm a big Krispy Kreme donut person. So not realizing, you ever have one of those moments, you guys, where you, you literally, you say something, it completely makes sense in your own mind. You say it straight faced. However, the way it comes out can be twisted and turned nine ways from Sunday. And no, Megan did not hear this episode because somebody had asked me. So she says, oh, I could I could probably eat more than you could. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. I said I could eat you out under the table. And for most people, you, you pretty much understand what that means. If you're at a bar, I can drink you under the table, right? That's what I meant. I, I must look like a tool bag because the Ritzter's on camera, literally, and I'm thinking he's probably thinking this. You son of a bitch. What did you what did you do? This is the end. This is the end. We're canceled. This is over. Mike makes some obscene comment. And literally, it wasn't until he brought it to my attention after the air. He said, Hey man, you know. I just want to bring this up here to you. Rit does a good job of of making light of something that needs to be addressed, but not making you feel bad or awkward about it. And then when he had that conversation and we hung up, I went, oh, wow. I did say I could eat you out under the table. So that was one of my embarrassing moments. Well, I meant are, it very well. These are a couple of... The listeners we have from Mitchie Blaze, he's saying Trevor Outlaw was fire. Trevor Outlaw was amazing. Trevor Outlaw is a funny SOB. Love that guy. Boog, Boog saying, now you better say it right. Mr. Darius Carter. Correct. Uh, who else we got here? Yeah, so just, just yeah. one of those deals, just... But but Dan Barry more recent, yeah. Dan Barry was was so much fun. Um, has anybody ever heard of the author Dave Barry? I don't know if he's still alive. Um, great author, very funny, uh, Dave Barry. So it, it kind of reminds me of him as far as his humor is concerned. But Darius Carter was great. Um, who else was really really funny? Jay Lethal was very very funny. Oh my goodness, especially when he came right in and 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 was like. I was in the, the gorilla position wondering who has a light fixture that is that high. Yep. And he came out with you guns a-blazing. He did. He did. Uh, Boog, Babyface, uh, says uh, the devil was, was really funny as well. I would agree with that one as well. So MWO is very funny as well. I will agree with you on that. They definitely uh, they definitely bring the comedy. But, but hey – Check out all these videos. Head on over to YouTube. Type in front row material. Take a listen. If you don't want if if you sit there and want to listen but not watch, Freeland, where do they go? If you would like to listen to the show but not watch the show, you can obviously get us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Deezer, anywhere that fine podcasts are made available. We have a ton of them up there. In all of the titles are the people that we were interviewing. We have literally interviewed almost two people every single night ever since um, Rit and I have kind of been 
filling in. So there are tons of interviews that you can listen to. Maybe they're people that you've heard of before, but maybe there's some people that you've never discovered before and you'd like to know a little bit more about them. This would be the one that you would really want to do. So, man, well, let's all right. With that, be back. yes. With that being said, we're going to step up for commercial. When we come back. It is cool. I can't read your forearm. I don't know what you're trying to do. Uh, let's go ahead. Take a commercial. When we come back. It's the return, the return of the Rat Pack, return of the panel. Don't go anywhere. This is front row material. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Be a professional and don't mute yourself. That's, gosh. See, you break wind one time during a commercial break and you leave your microphone on. You get hazed for forever. So remember, kids, if you need to sneeze, cough, or tooty-toot, please your microphone uh let's bring in the guys here it's been a while since we've seen them it's going to be exciting to check back in and see how they are doing first guest i want to sit there and bring in from the panel has the sharpest shirt i've ever seen in my entire life he's our good friend from the north mr butt he's an ass man there he is man look at that you look you know what the shirt looks good you look good my friend how you been I've been I've been good. Been busy. Wasn't sure I was gonna make it tonight, but things are good. We had a minor plumbing issue. Oh, oh no. Mm-hmm. Too much bread? No, oh no. My Get plumbing it? Get is it? fine. I was thinking plumbing of my home. Oh, plumbing of your ah uh, yeah. But everything yeah. is good. Everything's working out fine, right? Oh yeah, I fixed it myself, of course. Look at you. You're a man's man. I am. You are a man's man. Love it. That, that shirt. Hey, it looks hey, good. It looks hey, really good. He nice. told me, and I quote, I'll get the shirt in three months. Mm-hmm. When did I send that out? It was like a week. It was at my exactly. door. That's like, but 12 weeks faster than pro wrestling tees. Exactly. <laughs> Where does bearing pro wrestling tees? Pro wrestling tees. Hey, hey, if you guys want to get a great shirt, like the butt head on over to twitter go to underscore the underscore writ not even tell, doing this tell me your size twenty dollars i'll send it to you man you can have one just like him and speaking of great shirts yes oh my goodness here we go mr anton in the uh, in the in the real color because i had no idea why it looks purple and butt's uh, screen it's a brand new laptop sorry the wife hasn't set it up yet oh i was gonna say it looks it looks like it's public access tv up where you're at right now Uh, i can fix a lot of stuff but not computer (laughs) speaking of looking sexy our resident anarchist look at this right here man he looks good in that as well how you doing buddy 
I got a haircut, done lots of uh, personal shit, business shit lately, and uh, waiting for this to grow back so I can diet and fucking do some more weird shit. Good to see everyone again. It is good to see you. You're always looking good, my friend. Glad to uh, see all your smiling faces. Let's go and bring another face we're, we're happy to see. I cannot wait. Uh, what was that? I'm controlling the controls. What are you, you schmo? You Amish man, go build something. We got Renegade. What the hell is this? We got Renegade. I got to get a full screen on this some bitch. Here we go. Renegade man. Yes. I grew hair in the time we've been gone. It's It's been a while. It has been too long. You look fantastic. You look fantastic. Thank you very much. Wow, he's tapping into his inner Bob Marley. Renegade, how's life been treating you? Hey, Freeland, baby. Me and the butt have been making movies. I'm telling you. <laughs> We've been busier than ever, and it, it, it's getting crazy. Oh, I trust me. I, when you say it's getting crazy, I have no reason to not believe you. But it's funny you use the word crazy, because I think we need to bring in Buck Naked, uh, let's bring in Buck to the stream. Da, na, na, na. There he is. Let's get the full screen on this thing. Wow. Looking good, Buck. How you been, buddy? Uh, you know, I've been sitting in the fucking green room for like two weeks and I don't know what's going on, but I finally, uh, you let me on. So that's good. You have, okay, here's the deal. <sighs> Whenever I said we were not going to be having the panel, the person who was the most <laughs> upset <laughs> was Liam Sav Buck Naked. Okay, or Sexton Hard Dick, or whatever that guy. What was the name? Castle. Whatever, Hard Castle, White Castle, Hard Dick. I don't even know. So anyway, you, what have you been doing since we've been on hiatus? I've been sitting backstage. I told you. You just been sitting back there. I've been waiting for two weeks. Hey, finally tonight, you decide to open open it up. So I got one thing to say. During that entire time, you couldn't fold or collapse one box. Not one Uh, box. You know what? Huh? For you, for you, I'll make sure there's another wall of boxes next week. How about that? Uh-huh. I thought you cared about the environment. I thought you were part of that whole I green do. New Deal thing. Then, then recycle that shit. You know what? Then sell those boxes because I know people who are moving. Sell them. You want me to sell boxes? Right. People would buy. Yeah. Anton, Anton he's- could use some boxes because if he's moving, right? Which that's currently on hold. The moving is postponed for good reasons. But I also work at Walmart. I can go. Hey, I'm taking all these boxes instead of throwing them in the compactor. Yeah. Well, it seems like Liam just collects. Liam, real quickly before we start the panel, how did you acquire? Here, scoot to the side. How did you acquire so many boxes? Do you, do you uh, just shop at Aldi's a lot? Like, what's the deal? We don't have that here. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, we uh, moved a couple of years ago, and that's uh, the remnants right there. See? Wow. Very nice. Happy- yeah. Happy yeah, belated th- birthday, by the way. Yeah, happy birthday. Let's, let's all do yeah, this right birthday. now. Let's all do this. Let's in unison sing it. No. Happy birthday no. to you. No. Happy birthday Thank you. Appreciate it. To you. Sorry, Freeland. You're on your own. I got you, Mr. Cardona. So just out of curiosity, was beer die on sale in the last week? <laughs> I did I did mine before Ritz, so I know that much. I had mine so, done like uh when I was sitting in the green room waiting. I, you know, I just decided to fucking do the beard dye and he was fucking so went for bored. it. He just started. Yeah, I had a sink up. over here, I just fucking went for it. Yeah, I had to do something. 
Well, you have no idea how surprised I was when uh, Rit dyed his beard for the uh, the PPW stuff. Oh, he, I, I he, thought he comes on camera looking like fucking sinister minister. I'm thinking, what the hell is this? Uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. Crazy. We we got Bob Marley over here. Look at this. He's got the dreads. Peter Tosh rocking it out. Look at him. So so uh, Renegade, let's get an update right here. How are the uh, adult films coming with oh, uh, with the with the Ass Man being oh, the main coming. star? Hey, oh shit! They like, like Bud said, they are coming. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so uh, yeah, we've been busy. I mean, um, we've had a little bit of border issues here and there, but hey, uh, <laughs> stuff is happening. So, but I'm gonna announce this now. Um, he he doesn't know this, but uh, we've we've uh, just released the new slate of films uh, that he's going to be working on here. Ooh! And it, and it is the Arnold Schwollenpecker series. Our Arnold Schwollenpecker series. Arnold Arnold Schwollenpecker. Now this is hold on this is <laughs> hold on this is following the original set of movies, which was done by whom? What were what were the last ones? But do you remember? It was based upon it was based upon another actor. Was that the Tom Spanks? Tom Spanks, that's right. Tom Spanks. Uh, I did I did the original the Throbin Williams. I did those Throbin Williams. That's the series. Filmed all the scenes myself with myself. It didn't go well, but so he was by himself for the whole. I was by myself, and listen, listen. Like I said, the editing when you're trying to do yourself, it's it's difficult. So. Uh, so we got the Arnold Schwollenpecker series, but are you ready for this? Oh my God, this is great. I'm ready. Okay, so we've got Total Freeball. Oh my God. You, you're walking oh my around, God. you walk around pantsless on Mars. That's that's uh, okay. We've got we've got the Sperminator. The Sperminator. <laughs> he'll be he'll be back, and it'll be. Is that back. a trilogy? Is that a trilogy? <laughs> We're gonna start with one and see how well the first one does. Uh, we've got Gonad the Barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. Look at no selling. Look at no selling. Ritz sitting there, but in a loincloth. Are you ready for that one? Okay, and the and the final one, Ass Action Hero. Ooh, you know what? That is an homage to Butt right there. Ass action hero. How you feel about that? Let's get a let's get a tight shot of butt. No pun intended. Uh, oh. How you how you feeling about all this, man? You are an you're an international superstar. No, it's a hard job, but someone's got to do it. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure the ladies leave unsatisfied, but that's not my problem. Wow, that wow. That's that's where the editing comes in. We edit yeah. uh, happy looks on their faces. Man. Is this going to involve that class action lawsuit park Mikey was talking about? <laughs> what? No, no. No, that place is no, well, no, we're good. That's true. Oh my gosh. Super So many back. things, so many things to get to. We are so excited to have everybody back. Um so well, Freeland. Yeah. Last week we talked. And had a had a little conversation, and there was a little uproar going on over one of my personal opinions. 
And I would like to bring that up for my first and only topic before I leave tonight. Britt Baker versus Charlotte. Who's better? Oh, God. Charlotte. Liam, Liam, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Yeah, it's not even even a discussion. Are you serious? Yeah, come on, Liam. Uh, Charlotte. And you spelled Charlotte wrong. Good job. (laughs) He spelled Charlotte. Charlotte. That's how they talk in the Pennsylvania. Charlotte. She's better. It doesn't yeah. matter who's better. I mean, how you spell her name, because she's I, not better. Well, hey, and, I, well, I, based I, on what? Based on what? Let's hear your reasoning. Let's hear your reasoning. Oh, very good. Let's get a tight shot on Counterpoint. This Let's go. Counterpoint. Well, well, first things first, you're, you're getting my good action figures. Well, my autograph okay. chair. Distraction, distraction, distraction. Right. Deflect, Wait. deflect. It's Rip Baker. And this is why. Why? Okay. Once again, my main thing is I will put her and Thunder Rosa lights out match against any match that Charlotte's ever been in. And it's <laughs> a million times better. <laughs> so you're going to put a gimmick match against a pure wrestling match? If, if that's what you want to call it. Charlotte, well, that... in, in my opinion, Charlotte doesn't even have the best mat, women's match ever in WWE. Uh, uh, oh, Sasha okay. Bailey, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. I actually haven't seen it. You should. It, it was a really great Oh, match. I will. Okay, are you telling me, are you telling me that the Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa match, the gimmick match, was better than... Uh, uh, Ronda Rousey against Charlotte Flair a few years ago, I believe. And the only weapon that was used was a kendo stick on the outside. But that was fucking phenomenal, and it was way better than that gimmick match you like. No. No. Okay. Are you pouring one out for your dead homies there, Freeland? What's going on? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I But where is Mr. Savage on the zone? Oh, he's still fuck. in the green zone. He's not wound up yet. Ooh, ooh, he's fucking still right, I am. Fucking <laughs> right. <laughs> what, what's your opinion? Motherfucker. Your opinion? My opinion? Yes, what's your opinion? My opinion is you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Charlotte. Okay, Rip Baker and Thunder Rosa, that was a good match. It was a one-shot deal. Charlotte's had umpteen matches. You know, she's a one-trick pony. I mean, I don't think she would be top five, honestly. Thank you. Much less number one. And uh, the reason it spelled, spelled Charlotte wrong, that's the American <laughs> educational system right there. Whoa. 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 I take offense to that. I'm a part of that system. Uh, I'm only as good as my teachers. Damn. You're only as Hold on. Let's get a tight shot of this. You're only as good as what? As the teachers. Are you saying Pennsylvania doesn't have good school teachers? No, I'm just saying teachers in general. Straight no, across I the board. They do. I think he's saying Ohio. I'm not sure. And he's officially <laughs> off the show. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, Rit. My gosh. Do you believe this guy? You believe this schmozer? My God. As, as a Goddamn black beard. In a, in a, in a <laughs> vocab teacher, Charletti, uh, I've never heard of her before, but I wish her her best in her future endeavors and yours as well. And take oh. care. So, 
the way this works, the way this works is this is the wrap. Okay, I'm not gonna do it. Let me bring him back. All right, hey, 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 hold on, hold on. You got you got one final thing to say. One final thing. The Ritz last stand. My last stand. Perfect. Oh. That was great. So glad awesome. you shared that with us. <laughs> Finish good, what you sir. had to say. Finish what you had to say. My final thought, Britt Baker is the only person that I've ever seen make Nia Jax look good. It was a squash match, but she got her over. Charlotte couldn't even do that. And yeah, I'm gone for the week. Take care, guys. Over, but, you know. <laughs> I am so utterly confused at this wow. point. I'm not really sure. There's not enough alcohol for this conversation. Um, for me. Yes. By the way, if everybody is enjoying the show, please drop your comments into the chat. I do appreciate it. If you are enjoying some type of beverage, remember, drink responsibly, toss the keys away, stay where you're at, because, you know, it's better to be safe than to be sorry. If you're enjoying this show, go get some fucking help. <laughs> I'm going to go get a beer because I can't get help, so be right back. So you may need, you're right, you, you may need professional guidance if uh, if this show is your form of entertainment. Um so let's kind of jump into it here. I will say this. I will say this. I definitely think Charlotte is better right now. Does Britt have the opportunity to improve? I think she does. I think that's she a fair improving. assessment. She's yeah. improving. But you have to understand, Charlotte just really came into this thing ready to go from day one. And she has had great matches with a lot of different talent. And the training facility that WWE has, I feel like, even though – from a character standpoint and a storyline perspective, they are not uh, highlighted the correct way. But from a training perspective, I think it is top-notch what they've done in NXT. And so, yes, I love Britt. I think she's great. I love Thunder Rosa. I think she's great. But if we're just saying Britt versus Charlotte, um, I I'm still going to have to go Charlotte right now. But you know what? I don't know what the future holds, but we'll just have to wait and stay tuned. Okay. Um, Ooh, let's see, get a comment here. Jared, numero uno. Charlotte has advantage because of her athleticism. I mean, it's true. She is a natural athlete. I don't know what Britt's background is, um, but yes. Dentistry. That's right. She has her hands in people's mouths. Uh, let's go ahead and let's talk about our first topic, which I think is a really, really interesting one. Backstage news on WWE changing their name, the name for NXT. So as a lot of people know, NXT has been the the gold brand, as they've called it for a long time. They've never really explained what NXT means. I actually had to do some research here. The only thing that I've ever gotten from it is that it means next. This is the next group of people coming through, which is fine. Now they're changing it to its NXT 2.0, and it has the 19, late 80s, early 90s Nickelodeon like color scheme going on right now. Really don't know why that's necessarily the case. I'm going to first throw it to, uh, let's throw it to Renegade first. Renegade, when it comes to this new change for NXT, do you feel like in some ways this is a counter type of programming to try to draw in some new fans who might have become disenchanted with the original NXT? Absolutely. I think the first shot was fired when they lost in the ratings to, to AEW. And that's where you saw uh, Karrion Cross go over and, and lose in a, in a short match to Jeff Hardy as punishment. So I, I do think they're 
they're trying to shake things up. They're trying to, you know, do whatever they can to try and make it interesting again. Plus, bring about the whole new crop of, of talent that, that Vince wants. And, uh, at the, you know, the ones he shops for at Stud Muffins, that, that club, uh, <laughs> you know, big meaty, big meaty guys. Big uh, meaty. I want big meat. I want meaty uh, people. <laughs> So yeah, I, I I do think this is this is just uh, you know them uh, you know bringing it out just to see what they can do to kind of uh, gain some interest and, and and build future stars and I mean we'll see where it goes. I there's I have a lot of questions of, of what this is going to be and, and how this is going to turn out and and who else is going to be uh, left on the chopping block. I agree. I agree. Let's throw it to our resident anarchist. Uh, Anton, Anton, what is your thought here? Obviously, you know, they're doing the name change. They're trying to do a reboot of NXT. NXT was great and everybody loved it and everybody looked forward to all their pay-per-views, all the takeovers, and then guys either got called up and they were not utilized the right way or they were let go and NXT really started to fall and it fall, it fell dramatically and then they started losing to AEW and they decided that what are we going to do? So now it's been determined they're rebranding it. They're no longer going to be signing indie people. They are going to be literally going for more homegrown talent. But my question, once again, is rebranding it, is that a good idea? And second of all, what's so wrong with trying to find indie talent out there that could still have value to a brand such as NXT? Because I still think it would be a good thing. So, isn't this also really NXT 3.0? Considering the original sci-fi show with the reality concept. Then NXT, the stuff with Enzo, Rollins, etc. And now this. So, (laughs) there's, there's that for an initial starting point. It it's a clusterfuck of things for a rea- you know variety of reasons. Like bring up Enzo and Cass, they actually did good from a crowd standpoint. They were over for sure. Enzo wasn't the best worker, but crowd participation, etc. Two thumbs up. His bullshit fired. You know everyone else just completely underutilized. Pac, you know Neville, whatever you want to call him. It's I, I don't know. I, I really don't get the old man at this point, which, you know, that's understandable. But I don't think he gets himself really anymore. Very this true. This is a, very much a sketchy situation, especially without Hunter in control, who's been the driving force behind this for the majority of the time of its successful inception. So I don't know. I do think a lot of it's a jerk reaction to AEW, you know, because specifically for the fact that he is notorious for no-selling everything, when he starts mentioning, bringing up, or counter-programming, for a lack of a better term, it's bothering him for a variety of reasons. And I think that's why Vince and Bruce have taken over NXT 3.0. And I don't like the color scheme. That throws out their whole black and gold thing they've done forever now, and it reminds me of like a bad 70s ripoff. No, I agree with you completely. Let's throw it over to the ass man. What's your take on this? I mean, is it such a good idea to, to continue to hit the reset button? I mean, you can change some things, but you don't need to change the name. You don't need to change the color scheme. 
you don't have to change the philosophy. Really what boils down to is who the hell is running the ship behind the scenes? Well, Vince is running the show. We all know that. Good, bad, and indifferent. Uh, as long as Vince is running it, I don't think that's necessarily a good idea. Uh, he's trying to re trying to rehatch the 80s wrestling. Let's bring a bunch of giant juice monkeys. No, definitely <laughs> can't wrestle a lick, but they're giants. So they'll get some attention. People watch. Everybody looks a freak show. And that's what he's trying to do with NXT 2.0. I don't know if it's going to necessarily fly. I think he'd be better off keeping the smaller guys, honestly. Your Gaganos, your Tommaso Ciampas. I mean, everybody knows I'm big on both of them. I mean, there's been so much talent go through there over the years that never really got utilized. I mean, Adam Cole fucked off and left. There's a reason. It can't just be a pure money thing, we wouldn't assume. So, I don't know. That that would be my take on that. I I think NXT 2.0, it's not going to be anything special. It's going to be ho-hum. You know, if they're going to try to go head-to-head with AEW, they're fucked. That's just not going to fly. They don't have a chance in hell. You know, especially if they go the route of the big jacked-up dudes. It's just... Most of those guys just can't wrestle. Not, well, not your high-flying, entertaining aspect. Well said. Let's go over to Buck. Um, NXT 2.0, 3.0, whatever we want to refer to it as. Once again, you can change the paint scheme. You can put in new furniture, but if the house is not built on a good foundation, it's still a shit shack. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh... I think the the first the first thing I noticed was uh, that color scheme. I thought they were celebrating Pride Month way too early, so that was the first thought. Oh, you can't see that, fucker! I just fucking did. And uh, the second thing is the 2.0. I thought they were bringing back 2.0 to beat Ever, Ever Rise again, and I thought, oh, they're gonna put the brand behind them. Oh, that would have been great. They're good, uh, but I mean, it the the thing is now that they it seems like. Um, you know, instead of just kind of leaving things be where they might be okay, they just keep trying to change things, and then when they change them, they get worse. It's like, like fuck, like it, you you hope, like you, you kind of try to be optimistic, but I mean, like Rick Steiner's kids started tonight. From what I heard, and his like names like fucking Braun fucking Hard Dick or something, or I don't know, it's like some fucking weird name. Like I don't know what the hell it was, but it was stupid. And, um, let, me, let me try to find it back in the chat. Keep going. The Braun Hard Dick. And uh, <laughs> the other, the other thing, it's like they're just if if they're trying to if they're trying to run it based on how you know Vince and uh, Bruce would do it and Kevin Dunn and all that. That's a that's a major problem because it has to be different, right? It's right. developmental. They didn't do that with developmental in uh, FCW or uh, OVW or anything like that. Um, they just kind of let the people there run it and let the people get groomed. And that's part of the problem. So when we look at how it is, uh, especially with what I heard today about, like Mike Johnson was reporting it, so it's probably pretty credible, but um, about how the stuff was being ripped up left and right backstage today. Uh, nobody knew what was going on. All the wrestlers were kind of just on edge the whole time. I mean, you know, we kind of expected this was going to happen, but uh, you, they really 
they really don't need to be changing too much. I mean, it was boring as it was before, which is saying something considering how great it used to be, but just doing a complete overhaul that made it worse. And yeah. I haven't even seen the show, but just based on the things I have heard, it's kind of worrying. Yeah. So his name is now going to be, um, Braun breaker with two K's Braun oh, much better than Braun hard Dick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, might not Braun hard Dick may actually get more people to tune in if they're like, Oh, they're, they're, they're and then someone's going to mispronounce and go bronze hard Dick. Oh, there's a bronze hard Dick. Yeah, it you sounds know? like some guy that'd be in GCW fighting that dumb fuck Nick Cage or something. <laughs> oh, Where the fuck's man. Moondog? Oh my! For all oh this? my no, God! No. We just, we just, we just <laughs> hold on. We gotta take it to the butt. What's going on here, butt? Oh, I know oh, you've oh. been feeling a little iffy right now. Liam is one hundred in the the red zone, <laughs> the Liam How? zone, however you want to call it. How? Well, you're angry because you're awake. So I assume yeah. because <laughs> you're awake. You're oh my God. You're awake. You're, <laughs> you're not yelling yet. That's the second question. You'll be It'll come. out the fucking handle. And you're you're just out of control. You're always out of control. But I think you need a hug. Is what you need. You're a grumpy motherfucker. Like I think you legit need a hug. I I gave concise points and I said hard dick. How is that me being grumpy? If you had to receive a hug from any of us on the panel, who would it be and why? And why would it be this man? <laughs> I, I would film that shit too. Oh, I have no idea. You know what? You can't let a good opportunity slide. <laughs> uh, I don't even fucking know what to say. Okay? I'm upset because I'm in the red zone. So you might not want to get me on a rant here. Let's let's just kind of yeah. let's, let's kind of put this behind us now. Um, that was actually one of Butt's lines in one of the but, movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have him sign my, one of my scripts that I got. So let's go ahead. This big E wins a WWE title. Whoa, whoa. What's happening here? First of all, this should have happened like years ago. However, at least they got something right. So big E finally wins a WWE championship on raw last night. He cashes in his money in the bank briefcase. However, there's been a lot of speculation online as to exactly whoa somebody's somebody's popular. Somebody hit the jackpot! Whoa, <laughs> whoa! So Biggie finally finally wins the championship. Let's go ahead and let's throw it over to Mr. Bob Marley. Uh, what's your thoughts here on Biggie winning the championship? Are you surprised by this happening because Lashley was so dominating for so long, or do you think, eh, you know what? I think it was about time for Bobby's run to end. I was a little surprised it happened the way that it did and, and happening just on Raw and not a big buildup and not a big, uh, you know, not maybe not even at a pay-per-view. Although at pay-per-views, it's a little bit more predictable. So I guess for that reason, it's kind of a nice surprise. Uh, but, but I think they were doing this to compete with football. Uh, you know, the first Monday night game, you want to do something that's going to draw attention. So they even had Big E announce that he was going to cash in on his Twitter uh, so I think they were trying to draw eyes in. I, I I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, you know, you know, Bobby's had the title for a little while now. Um, who was he gonna, you know, who was he gonna go up against? 
they were they weren't really after the Goldberg thing. They weren't really leaning towards anything. It seemed like so. Yeah, I think it was a good move. I like it. Uh, but what's your take here? Big E finally wins the championship after a very very long time. First of all, two-part question. A, do you agree with the decision? And B, do you also agree um, with Renegade, which this is definitely a ratings move here. Football is definitely going to cut into it, especially with Monday nights. Uh, do you think that's played a factor? Played a factor for sure. How are going to compete with Monday Night Football? I'm not sure, but if you can keep a couple people, so be it. Uh, for regards of uh, Biggie winning it, this should have happened eons ago. Now, Big E is over as all get out. New Day's over as all get out. Right, or we're over, I guess. Give him a chance. People love him. You never hear of a bad thing said about him. No, that's true. Fans or backstage bullshit. No, the guy's got talent. He's got a good look. Mm-hmm. Give him a chance. I agree. You know? I mean, they've made worse decisions. This is true. This is very true. Uh, let's go ahead and let's start to Anton. Biggie finally gets the title. They should have did it when New Day was at its peak, 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 peak. That would have sold so many tickets, and that would have made so many fans happy. However, the old man and the powers that be decided that they didn't want to because they knew what was best for business. Now, do you think they're, they're kind of striking uh, – a little bit too late on this. Yes, they're still going to catch some some lightning in a bottle, but it could have been so much bigger. It could have been much bigger, especially at the height of the New Day shit. Like the entire reception would have been different. It's not that it's not cool. It is. The man deserves it. Hell, I've been a fan of him since the fucking NXT shit and the King Kong Bundy five count. It's mm-hmm. it's something I can totally co-sign because the man is over, you know, and they have made much much worse decisions so it's at least something that fans are behind which is at the end of the day the correct thing to do what's best for business actually listen to your fan base which you know i still hate that promo anytime i think about it and we're gonna do what's best for business we are going to listen to you um yeah okay yeah sure sure y'all so yeah i also miss the excitement because you know thinking about the original way the money in the bank was done you know, the out of nowhere, the first person to actually declare it was Van Damme. Before that, you had Edge pulling sneak shit. I like the unpredictability about it, but I do like the legitimacy of I'm going to fucking do it and actually keeping your word. Because as a man, you only have two things in your life, your balls and your word. Wow. Excellent. Excellent way to end that rant. Uh, Buck Naked, what's your take on this one? Uh, uh, he, he deserves it, obviously. He's... Uh like everybody was saying he's over he's a great wrestler he's been in the system for a long time so he's worked his way up i don't necessarily agree that he should have had it ages ago like everybody else is saying i don't know where that's coming from because he uh because he he had to work up to it plus kofi had the title and you know wouldn't have made much sense back then unless they were going to do a turn or something but uh yeah he does he deserves it uh it's great for him i don't know they necessarily needed to do it right now uh, it probably would have been better at a, a big pay-per-view or something. But if you're going with the whole theory that they're doing it to get ratings, uh, sure. I mean, that's a total possibility, but 
you know, the way they book now, who the fuck knows what they're doing? Like, they could just throw it out there for no reason, and then he could lose it next week. Like, who knows? So, I don't really get invested in that anymore. I don't get invested in any of the storylines in pretty much any wrestling, because it's all booked just completely fucking haphazardly now. So, um, you know, I try not to... I try not to put too much stock in it, but, you know, he's uh, he's got his due, and uh, I'm glad he got it. I agree. Um, I think the only thing we're kind of saying about it, it's, it, it could have been done earlier on, is that even before you gave it to Kofi, when they were super white hot, he could have easily, you know, gone after the title at some point in time. And I think yeah. it would have it been more monumental not to say that they're still not popular because they are but there was a point in time when when people were literally bringing bringing pancakes to the arena and flinging them at them and there was a time when those unicorn things were selling like you wouldn't believe and the trumpets and all that i just think they could have given him a better platform and i do agree with you liam they could have done it on a larger stage to really show how much they appreciate his dedication to the company right um, and I also wonder this, and I don't know his contract situation, but I wonder if if they're ever starting to worry, meaning, you know what, as soon as somebody's contract does become up, you know, for renewal, that they may re- they may consider leaving if you did not fulfill on some of these promises that you said you were going to do. So, I mean, that could happen, though, but that's that's something they have to say, like. McMahon always says, like, you know, I give opportunities. He doesn't really give promises, right? Right. So you can tell that to anybody. You can say, hey, I picture you as the next world champion. But, you know, he doesn't really set it in stone. He says, I'll give you the opportunity to be that, which is smart because you don't want to say to someone, oh, you're guaranteed this. And then things change and you lose faith in that person and then, you know, goes out the window. You don't want to necessarily say that. So, you know. I can respect that as well. Big news coming to AEW. A lot of people weren't exactly sure when or where this may happen. However, at the big pay-per-view in Chicago, not only did Adam Cole, Bay Bay, debut uh, when he came out at the end of the Kenny Omega promo, but he went ahead and super kicked Jungle Boy and showed his allegiance with the Young Bucks and the Elite. He went on to cut a huge promo and talk about how the Elite is the most dominant faction in pro wrestling. And then after that, uh, is it the Flight of the Valkyrie? Is that what it is called? Yes. The new version of that came on, and the Yes Movement has officially entered AEW. Um, I've seen both of those guys since then at Dynamite and Rampage. And I can tell you right now, the crowd is eating it up. First question is going to be, is this a game changer? Obviously, we saw Punk is there now. Now Adam Cole is there. Brian Danielson is there. I'm going to throw it to butt first. Game changer or a lot of hype? Game changer for sure. Uh, I think Adam Cole is going to be the, the diamond of the of the three. Uh, he'll have the, the longest run. You'll get the most out of him. I think it's fantastic bringing in Adam Cole. Punk and Daniels, Danielson. I don't really care one way or the other personally. But yeah, Adam Cole there. I think that's going to be fantastic. You put him with the, the scumbag elite. Amazing. People will love it. They'll hate his guts. Perfect what you want for a heel. 
Well said. Let's go over to uh, Renegade. Renegade, your thoughts? I mean, obviously CM Punk, um, an established guy. Everyone knows him. You know, that wasn't a huge surprise. That was a very not well hidden, but he is now in AEW. But then we heard about Brian Danielson, and that seemed to be pretty much a lock as well. But then Adam Cole, it was kind of on the fence. And then WWE pulled his merchandise. And then at that point in time, we had an idea that he may be going somewhere. But do you agree that out of the three, Adam Cole at such a young age, uh, still in his career, is going to be the one who's going to make the most moves when it comes to AEW? Out of the ones that went there now? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think there's more to invest in him. You're going to do a lot of cool stuff with, with Brian Danielson. You'll do some cool stuff with Punk. But somebody like Adam Cole would be more of a future star to build things around. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think he'll have the biggest impact to be in there. But you know, I'm I'm looking at um, this is the this is the first big splash in a in a title wave that I think is about to happen. Uh, the thing I think WWE should be scared of is not so much what they do in the ratings right now; it's the atmosphere and the excitement that they're building there. If you listen to any of these people, uh, you know Adam Cole's uh, messages after after the his appearance, first appearance, and 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 Brian Danielson's and and Ruby Soho's. They all are saying the same thing that it's it's such a different atmosphere, it's such a different thing that's going on there, and, and it's exciting. And they're letting the wrestlers be themselves, and they're letting them be creative. And once that word starts getting over to the other side, you know, there's rumor now what that Kevin Owens may leave when he's done. I think you'll see that a lot more uh, coming up, especially when people's contracts are. You're going to see a lot of people jumping. I like it. Let's go ahead and throw it over to Anton. Um, you know, Punk was, was step one, then Daniel or Brian Danielson was step two. Adam Cole is a huge step three. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but on social media, Kevin Owens just put two coordinates on a tweet, which is, has been recently deleted, but it was actually the, the, um, coordinates to Mount Rushmore. So if you are actually a, a big time wrestling fan, you know, that obviously that was a faction that was known, um, that it was the Bucks and Kevin Owens who actually were a part of that as well. It has been since deleted because people read into it very, very quickly. Um, what's your take on this whole thing? Who do you think is going to be the biggest game changer in AEW when it comes to these people? And are we starting to see WWE turn into WCW in 2000? Tiny bit on the WCW part. The, uh, Game changer aspects, which I love that pun considering all the GCW shit and every, you know the Nick Gage hate, etc. I, I love uh, that. So, <laughs> you know how I feel about it. So I just I love everyone's opinion. It's amusing. But uh, as long as Punk and Brian put people over and continue to build the business, i.e. the Terry Funk role in ECW, we're fine. Um, I think Brian is you know wanting to be a wrestler. He even said I'm you know I'm here to be a wrestler, but I'm. Everything WWE gave me was fucking great. So he didn't shit on him the way everyone else has. So which I know makes Mr. Cornette Savage happy. And ah! it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, pretty fantastic in the long run. It, to be real honest, I think this has serious potential. I think Kevin Owens would be great there. I think they need to chill and not be WWE-like to a degree. Because that's a unanimous decision we've all agreed upon. 
you know, yes. a consensus, a, you know, statement opinion, you know, don't overload your shit, continue to build your homegrown shit, do the smart thing. So also, hey, Freeland, how was that a uh, Moxley AEW debut? How was, you know, how was your time there? Because that was awesome as fuck to see my friend. Yeah, no, it was good. It was, um, it was interesting because we were down on the floor. Uh, we were row four and we're sitting in these, uh, I hate to say this, but really cheap lawn chairs. And we're, we're sitting there and I go to get a Sprite. So I go to get a Sprite because that's what I do. And I pay my nineteen ninety five for a Sprite. And I come back and they're telling us, uh, hey, look, you're going to have to watch out. We're going to be doing something in your section. So the first thing I thought to myself was, my man Jerry knows what's up. He's going to have him come through my section. Well, first of all, uh, that was about the dumbest thing I could have thought of ever. But this is what happened. They, they brought Moxley through. The, the feeling that you felt, like that energy. You know, they say like people have like chakras or whatever the hell that is. Like you felt it. Like the energy and the excitement, the electricity, you felt it. He, that whole, his music hit, he came through the water bottle, through it, he's pacing back and forth. It was exciting, he walks past past me. I mean, what are you really supposed to do at that point in time? I'm not going to put my hands on the guy because there's security all around us. The last thing I need is dumpy me touching a wrestler, getting my chunky ass thrown out. Like, how's that going to look? So I was just like, whoa, whatever, and the camera was right there. And I kind of just do a whatever, and there it is. And uh, it was it was great. the The match was really really great. My phone died, so I did not have any access to anything throughout the show. So I get in my car, I plug the damn thing in. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is this? Was there an emergency? Was there a family tragedy? No, everyone saw my big purple ass looking like Barney uh, on the camera there, but it was fun. It was a great show. Loved it. And uh, I think they're doing really well. Um, I will say this, our good friend with the haircut, it's pronounced Minora Suzuki, correct? Yes. It was not long enough. I felt like that match was kind of rushed. Uh, it, it deserved to go longer. But um, it was a great experience all over. And seeing Punk there, um, obviously we were there for Rampage as well. Um, Brian Danielson was there. We also saw Ruby Soho. And I love that song. Love that song. And Ruby is just so, like, happy. So it's really, really cool to see her. So I know I kind of got off track here. Yes, it is. That's my fault. That's my fault. No, you're good. I I just, man, I'm like I Liam when he talks up. about Jim Cornette. But no, I appreciate you doing that. So let's go ahead and throw it over to Buck. Uh, <laughs> Buck, what's your take of Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, CM Punk? We'll, we'll even throw Ruby in there. Who do you think is going to be the most impactful person long term? Um, I think long term, if you're just looking at it from a booking standpoint, it's going to be Adam Cole. Um, I, I think he's probably the least talented out of the three though, but, um, you know, Danielson obviously is tops. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, Ruby Soho. Uh, she's she's really good. Uh, the problem I have with Cole, I think he's just very. Um, I don't know. He's just overrated to me. Okay. Uh, and I I don't know if that's gonna like. A lot of people seem to see through that, like at least for you know my thoughts on it uh, with NXT because everybody thought he was like the MVP, and he was very good in a lot of his stuff. But you know, it comes back to what I've said before with the exaggerated like false finishes and the like that. The you know the eyes bugging out of his head every time he doesn't hit the three count and you know the the fucking Panama Sunrise bullshit. You know it's that you know I, I've had enough of that, but. Danielson, though, he could be the key because that guy, he's got everything down. He's one of the best pure workers of the last 20 years. And I defy anybody to tell me differently. And, um, you know, so as far as a worker standpoint, I'd say Danielson. But as far as just booking, uh, unfortunately, they already screwed it up with him in AEW. But, you know. He's uh he's gonna be the one I guess that all the eyes will go on. So, yep. I knew you're such a huge AEW fan. I mean, just love it, love it. I watch every week. Oodles and oodles. You're just so excited to see any I, of it. Every time AEW Nitro's on, I watch it. So wow. I, and I tell you what, we're gonna have you on next time. We uh we have Mr. Barry on as well because everyone loved your comments in the chat. Oh God, yeah. You know what? That was. Everybody was like, oh, they need to do a debate. And I was like, yeah, I got a few things I could say to them. So, hey, have at it. That's fine. Uh, we're aware. And uh, so is Mr. Barry. So uh, we'll, oh! have to... <laughs> we'll, okay. we'll, yes. we'll have to bring you on. You'll have to be part of this because I think he would love to get a chance to to chat with you and to find out, you know, what oh, your thoughts yeah. are and kind of go at it one-on-one. See, but that's the instant problem. I'm going to be kind of pit. Go ahead. Go ahead. I said instant red zone. I want Butt yeah. to help moderate that. I want Butt to help moderate that with code levels for both of you. That's the only condition well, of this I personally want. The only problem I've got is that I'm going to be pigeonholed because everybody's going to be like, well, Liam hasn't wrestled before. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And, you know, so automatically we'll I'm going to just. Well, no, but I. Oh, that was per. Oh, if there was ever a perfect oh. 1999 reference, that was it. Butt gets the MVP for tonight just on MVP that. for what? Using a fucking tired joke? Oh, it's not Fuck tired, my friend. It's not tired at all. No, tired? no. It was it was funny eight months ago when you fucking came up with it, and hey, now it's just fucking riding out. Yeah, tire, Tired is what you would be if you actually took time to fold all those boxes. All right, so with that being said, we Man, all you burned me. Shit. We've, we finally got all of our opinions. One person needs to calm down is this guy right here. You need to bring your level down. Calm a little too crazy down. right now. Well, and listen, I am barely containing myself. I listen. I don't even know where to go with this. You know what? I, That's I, I'm bursting at the seams. I I can't even I can't even uh, hold still. Actually, man, chair is on one of those little. What? <laughs> okay. With that being said, we're moving on to our next topic. Uh, we just actually talked about this. Kevin Owens' contract is expiring in WWE. Rumor is that's expiring in January of 2022. But however, uh, our wonderful roving reporter has something else to tell us. 
Who else's contract is going to be expiring as well? But that's going to be coming up sooner. The rumor is Johnny Gargano expires sometime in December. Johnny Gargano? Ooh. And you said December? Sometime in December, yes. Now, listen, I think we all agree. We don't want to see just AEW taking on WWE guys. However, I agree. However, but if they are good guys, like if they're wrestlers that are good, I don't necessarily have a problem if they're able to enhance certain things. Let me throw it to Anton. Let me ask you this. What is your thoughts on, have you seen enough from the body of work of Johnny Gargano to basically say, I think he would be a good addition? Or do you say, eh, that's a hard pass? So I know the work that he's capable of, and I know what he's capable of, capable of doing with some of the performers there, and I'm all for that. However, his hit by a fucking Mack truck, 95 false finishes, even Super Cena doesn't kick out this much bullshit. I'm not for <laughs> that's Thank you. that part. I'm not for, but yeah, like he does have some phenomenal matches, but I've seen some of his matches where I'm like, all right, motherfucker, like you've literally been hit by a Mack truck and this some bitch still is not over. Any other match would have been called by now. What the fuck are you going to do that? I haven't seen. That's not just overkill and stupid. Kind, like I love that Bucks tag team match from the pay-per-view, but same thing. There were some spots in that where I was like, motherfuck dude, this is ridiculous. Just fucking stop. Sell that shit. Same thing. Same fucking thing. I, I think you make a, a very valid point. I do. I, I love the Young Bucks as well, and I know we're getting off topic here, but I love the Young Bucks, but I feel like sometimes selling, it, it's not an art form that's done anymore when someone gets hit with something that literally would probably, any of us on the panel, we would be drooling on the floor, not getting up, and they get up within five or six seconds and then something else happens and then they stagger and stand right back up. Something has to mean something or everything means nothing. The Terry Funk comment about slow down and when you think you're going slow enough, slow down some more. And I know this is what Butt and Liam are talking about all the time. And I know with my age bracket, you would expect me to just love all this shit, but I'm such an old school wrestling fan that I'm like, no, like, even Shawn Michaels slowed the fuck down and sold some shit, but fuck, they were telling Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair they were doing too much in the 80s. Right. So, eh, it's objective, opinionated, whatever. Opinions are like assholes, and we all have one, and they all stink, so whatever. Indeed, and some of us actually have tails that are attached. Um, let's go on over to... God damn it, Mike Freeland. I know, I'm sorry. It's it's it's, a, it's, it's a medical condition. I can't control I know. that. You you make fun of yourself more than we make fun of you sometimes, and I love I, you for it because if you I can't know. laugh at yourself, can you laugh at? Yep. God damn. It. And I can hold a roll of nickels in my belly button, but let's get over to the butt. Let me ask you this one, Butster. Uh, you know, obviously Kevin Owens' first initial reaction. Do you feel like that would be a good move if his contract was up and he went over to AEW? No. And tell me why. Because if they keep. There's only so much time. They've already already have a lot of talent, and some talent is not getting used much at all. Like it should be already. If you're bringing another big name like him, you're gonna be bumping people further down. He's not it won't fit. I'm not saying he's not a good wrestler. I'm not saying it wouldn't be entertaining, because it would. But how many more guys do you bring in? They're gonna have five hundred people on the roster soon. Four hundred and eighty two of them are from WWE. No, let if he goes, let him go to ROH. Maybe make a cameo at AEW, something like that, but not bring him into the roster. 
Not at all. So what do you think about, obviously, Gorgano when his contract is up? Do you think that they should kick the tires on him, or do you think also that would be a situation of you just your, your boat has too many people, you're taking on too much water? Definitely. Too many people. Let them go. They have a great roster now. They do. They keep adding more and more to WCW. That didn't work out well. No, indeed it did not. Um, so – what are your thoughts? I mean, uh, well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of kind of add to what Butt was saying. You can only add so many people. It looks very lucrative. Like, oh, man, we could have this guy. We could have this guy. Imagine all these great people we could have. But, I mean, just keep burying people down more and more and more. Now, uh, like, I can give you an example. Andrade, didn't he – he had a match on, like, this week or something, didn't he, against Pac? Yeah, against Pac, yep. Okay. That, from what I understand, was his second match in three or four months with the company. Correct. Look at that, okay? Well, because he also does not just work. He signed to AEW, but he also does stuff with AAA as well. He did one match with AAA. I'm just saying that he... he, No, no, I get get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but his dance card isn't full. Correct. when When you start looking at those terms... You get a, a world-class wrestler like Andrade who can compete with anybody, mm-hmm. and you put him in two matches in his whole stay. It, it's insane, okay? I get it. He's had interviews and all that, but, I mean, my God, like, enough. So when you look at it in those terms, and they just keep adding people, everybody else, like, it, it's giving less and less opportunity to other people that have been there since the start. Mm-hmm. And there's other people that would like opportunities. Some of them I don't care for, but they should probably still get opportunities like Jelly Nutella and uh, I don't know some you're other not, dumb. What you're 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 not legitimately serious. I mean that's why that's you're funny. referring. No, to no, 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 no. I'm saying give him a chance to show everybody how much of a fucking loser he is, and then we're good. Okay. You know what I love about you, Liam? You you really yes. there, there is no mincing words. There is no literally just why trying to. I'm just saying. I've just noted jelly Nutella. I love it. I didn't come up with it, so I can't. That that's uh that's a Mr. Cornet for you. So, you know. But uh, I I think like yeah, technically it it'd be great if they could sign Kevin Owens, and he's got history with the Bucks and all that. I don't know why he'd want to have history with them, but he does. And you could, you know, put that into effect, but it's only going to go for so long. He'll fall into the Andrade care category where he's, you know, he may he may be in a main event situation, but I mean, you know, you can only do so much. Johnny Gargano, I mean, yeah, he's he's a great talent, but he also does the kind of Adam Cole things where he, it's like like Anton was saying, where he gets hit by a truck and he's ready to you know do a three flips in the air before he's uh, ready to go down again. Like, I mean, come on, so. You really need to lower your expectations. This is already starting to become WCW. And if people think I'm joking, look at the roster and you'll be counting for days. And there's only so much money to go around. So lower your expectations. If they're healthy, they'll be there for a long time in the industry and you can get them at some other point. But don't go nuts. Don't blow your load, as Renegade would say. Unless say, it's on film. Unless it's on film. That's that is right. our that's our that's our mission statement, isn't it, bud? 
Yep. Money <clears throat> shots make cash. That's right. Wow. So let me ask you this, Renegade. Uh, if you were going to be signing some uh, former WWE guys once their contract is up to adult contracts, uh, oh, God. which individuals do you feel would would work well, and what do you think some of their attributes may be? Well, uh, first of all, I think the one I'd be eyeing would be Johnny Gargantuan. That'd be the guy <laughs> that I would. That'd be the guy that I'd bring in. Um, uh, or maybe even Kevin blowing loads. Uh, so, wait, wait, I don't know if he'd be... Kevin blowing loads. <laughs> blow wow. his middle name. Yeah, blow, yeah. 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 <laughs> it works, right? It works. Yeah. Hey, if it works for you, it doesn't. He doesn't work. God damn it! But um, where are we going? With this? I have. I, I was basically Nowhere saying, good. if you were if you were going to sign some people from WWE to work in the adult entertainment industry, who would oh, you pick yes. and why? Um, I'll see. Well, I'd have to. I'd have to think about that one. I mean, Johnny Gargantuan for sure. I think he's top of the list right now. Oh my, Johnny because he's he's just about free. So, uh, well, how about Big E? Big erection, right? Hey. Yeah, I mean he's a yeah. champion. Dude, it's gonna bring uh bring a lot of cloud over. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm down. Cloud in his pants. Yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 gonna throw. Oh my god, I'm gonna throw out a name of a pro wrestler. I want you to tell me how he would fit well in the adult entertainment industry. Are you oh, ready? You ready? Nope. Bastion nope. Booger. Of are all the names, are you familiar? <laughs> are you familiar with Bastion Booger? Oh yeah, you're familiar the with the, looked, the booger the man. Looked, yeah, the guy that looked like he was wearing oversized tidy whites. <laughs> he did. He looked like he was in like some stained gray uh, dominatrix outfit right there. Yes. <laughs> the fuck. So oh, what? What, what do you think you could use him for? Uh, he would be block out the sun. <laughs> <laughs> I I think he would be the grip. I think I don't oh, yeah. think I would. I don't think I would put him on film. Maybe he could be a, a fluffer. I, I he looks like he would relish that role. I think. I think yeah. he could be a tight grip if you know what I mean. <laughs> a real tight grip. Yeah. Oh yeah, you better believe it. <laughs> Robert Fuller and Lenny Poffo. Wow. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Playing jump rope with that. If, yeah, Colonel Robert Parker and Lenny Poffo. What can you do with those two? Play jump rope. World of the Wangers. I see it right now. What? World How of did this go so far? World of the Wangers. Because it's FRM. That's what we do. Yeah, they do. Right. Isn't this a family show? Yeah. Human oh, yeah. If you plan on making a family, <laughs> we're here to give you ideas. Oh, okay. my God. So, with that being said, those are all of the topics that I have. Does anybody have anything else that they would like to bring up that has struck them as interesting within the world of wrestling? Dark Side comes back like within the next week, so we can yeah. go back to discussing that. Dark Side is going to be interesting. We will bring that back. I think uh, is their first one, Luna. Uh, uh, I think Luna? it's the the plane ride from hell. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is Luna in season three? Yes. 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 They've announced the uh, the lineup for season. Yeah, two? it's yeah, like thirty five episodes. Is that what it is? No. What? 
and I want to say it's like another eight or ten. I, but so I the can, first half of it's already going to be on Hulu by like the fifteenth. Okay. I can name ones off the top of my head. I think it's uh, Plane Ride from Hell, The Steroid Trial, XPW, FMW, Bruiser Bedlam, Luna. which was Johnny K9, uh, Luna Vachon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Chris Canyon, I believe, as well, which would be really interesting. So Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. I, I think that's what I remember being listed. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Anything anyone wants to talk about as far as their lives are going? Anything you would like to talk about? Anything interesting you'd like to share with your fans of this show? Because you guys all have fans. You really do. We do? We do. I'm going to throw it over to the ass man right now. Uh, <laughs> ass man, what is new with your wood projects? What's going on? You, you, you playing with your wood a lot downstairs? That's what I heard. I am. Yeah. Nice. I had a Big order. Uh, big order. You had a big order of wood. Yeah. 80 rainbows. Hey, three grand is three grand, boys. Oh, that's a lot of money for wood. It is. Mm-hmm. It's more than Special delivery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> but it, nothing real exciting. It's a, it's a sad existence. I, I work and I play with my wood. But yep. it's a big piece of wood. It is. Oh yeah. Let's go oh, ahead and let's go. throw it over to Renegade. So what is uh what else is going with you in your life outside of making Pizorn? <laughs> hey, that that keeps me plenty busy, trust me. Uh it's a never ending business. I am trying to get butt to host the AVN Awards. Uh, I am trying I'm working on that. So we'll see what we can do there. I think uh I think you'd make a fantastic host. I could do it. You could That'd do be it. Entertainment for sure. <laughs> and a lawsuit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but plenty of them. Hey, it keeps me. It, it keeps things interesting. That's for sure. I do want to ask everybody though: Has anyone caught the uh, the show Heels? Has anyone no. heard of that or has caught that at all? Is that That's the, the is that the CM Punk show with um, the guy from Arrow? Yes. yes. Yeah, Arrow. Uh, the one guy from Vikings. Yeah. Has anyone caught that? I, I have no. not caught it yet. No. I have not seen it yet. There's only like two or three episodes, no? There's not too much out. I yeah, there's only four. Yeah, something like that. There's only a few out. I haven't caught it yet. Uh, I wanted to start uh, recording it when it started, but I forgot about it. So now that we're part window, but I, I've been kind of interested in checking it out. I was going to wait for it to finish and then get a seven-day free trial to Stars on my Hulu mm-hmm. for an expansion because after that, it's like 10 bucks a month, and I was just going to binge watch it all within a week. That's how I was going to handle this. You were waiting for you waiting for it to what? All come out because I know they're on episode three is the punk one. So I think next week's four this Sunday. So I was going to wait for them all to come out that way instead of just waiting for them one at a time. Oh, yeah. It's only a week trial. I was going to let them all oh, release yeah. and then just binge watch the shit out of it like someone doing. Both. Oh yeah. You just said come out and release all in the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How does it make yeah, you feel, yeah. but man? Oh man. I tell you what, uh, who God. else has anything to say about what's going on in their world before we start the plugs? We're not talking about B plugs. <laughs> They're on back order. Yes. Let's go ahead and let's throw it over to Liam because he's going to pass out on us. Uh, Liam, what? No, uh, no, you're not. Is that a bike behind you? Is that a bike? <laughs> Is that my bike? Did you it's take bike, my yeah. bike? 
Uh, why is it? Yeah, I up- stole it from Ohio and I brought it here. Yeah. Why is it upside down? Like, move over. Let me see what this thing looks like. Is it like a ten-speed? Uh, no, it's like a mountain thing. Why do you have it like sitting like that? Because I took a tire off to put on my other bike. Is that okay with you? No, I guess it is. If you're that type of person, let's go. Yeah, type of person that rides a bike. Yes, thank you. Uh huh. Okay. Go ahead and plug what's going on with you, where uh, social media, all that kind of stuff. I know you're putting new stuff up on your uh, your YouTube channel. You said you were putting some stuff up there, the fan cam stuff. So go ahead and talk all about that. I didn't say fan cam, I don't think, but... Uh, you had said I, that you were putting some stuff up from... Uh, uh, fan, was the CyberSlam Q&As. CyberSlam, uh, okay. Yeah, I have, like, the ECW ones. I got a couple of those up. I still have to do the CyberSlam 99, uh, CyberSlam 2000. If anybody out there has it, let me know, because I don't think I could ever find it. Um, but I just actually ripped a few videos today, and I've got... Uh, I've got one that I did from this shitty Canadian talk show that had Bret Hart on it, but Edge was in the uh, was in the uh, in the audience when he was just training, so you could see Edge with a mullet, which is kind of interesting. So off the I'll record? be uploading that. What's that? Was it off the record? No, it was uh, the Dini Petty show. That was terrible. Yeah. So I'll be putting that up, and uh, there's what was another... it called? What was it called? The Tiny Weenie Show? Yeah, it's the Tiny Weenie Show. It's about you. And then the <laughs> other one we have is um. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm lightheaded. Oh yeah. God, I laugh so hard. Freeland Tiny. Yeah. Well, wow. yeah. Um, the other there's another one I've got going up. It's um something from TLC from the '90s. It was like uh. It's called oh, like see, No, no, it's not a not an R and B group. Oh. And it's uh it's called More Secrets Revealed and it's got a thing about like inside pro wrestling and it's got the most carny pieces of shit wrestlers I've ever seen. But it's got Killer Kowalski talking on there, so it's kinda interesting. So I'll throw that up and throw some other stuff up. Right? Uh I don't know if I had that actually. I I I've got a ton of videos I'm still gonna go through. I might have it, but so I got that, and I uh, got some stuff going up there. Um, and Twitter, I'm really hoping that I can break through the porn bot uh, followers and really hit an actual 100 followers. That'd be just fantastic. But you know, horny uh, 20 year olds from uh, Russia really need to follow me, apparently. So uh, it's kind of important, I guess. Well, hey, everybody needs a friend, right? Thank you for being a friend. I got so many boxes in my garage. My heart and is I'm going to shove them all up your ass. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> and I have a useless bike in here. But a bum, bum, bum. And I run it over wanna... Freeland. <laughs> if you want to talk to me, just look at me. I tell you to go fuck yourself. Oh, God. All right. Well, that was a good duet. It was a really good duet. Let's throw it over to a man who really can sing. Bob, I mean, Renegade. Renegade, uh, go ahead and plug. Where can people follow you? All that kind of stuff. Uh, I think the only plug here is the hair plug. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, I have nothing to plug. Uh, I actually, I, so I'm working on getting a show. And no one will be around here uh, to see it. So, uh, Cool. There's no point in saying it. 
so wait a minute. You're you're gonna get a show like a like a Twitch streaming show? No. Uh, so my guitar player in my band and I will be doing a show together. I think it's like an acoustic thing or something like that. Well, it's not official. We're working on it, but uh, no one on this uh, channel is anywhere near me. So uh, we're not going to be invited on. You think for not going to be invited? Probably not. Wow. I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be aired anywhere. Like we're not. No, I don't think anyone will be filming this. Oh, well, I'm glad you plugged it though. That's the important yeah. thing. That's, <laughs> but listen, when you have nothing else, you talk about something that really is unrelated to anything else. Yo, hey, you got a thick warrant poster in the background, so that's something. Right? It's yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You don't need anything else. Honestly. No, if you got cherry pie, that's all you need. I can take down all the, the other ones. It's a warrant. Warrant. Yeah. She's my cherry pie. Yeah, go pie. drink a water, such a sweet surprise. Did so take... good, get cold man cry. Sweet. Wow, that's what a managed garage sounds like, kids. I could take down all the rest of these posters, all my clothes off, and that's all I need right there. Wow. Thank you. No. That's what it takes to get you ready to go. So be it. Uh, let's turn it over to the ass man. He's an ass man. Wah, wah. Uh, what's your plugs? Uh, how can people follow you and all that kind of jazz? Yeah, Twitter.noof2291. Send me a follow. Send me a message. If you want to talk about something? Whatever you want to talk about, I'll talk about just about anything. You say that with such great passion and reverence. <laughs> hey, uh, what do you want me to say? Hey, I'm getting. I'm Give me a follow, boys and girls. I got. You can talk about all kinds of stuff. There See? you go. There you go. Into the red zone by being a fucking scumbag. What? Wow. Wow. Well, people should follow you. They really should because you're a good person, and you do amazing eh. things with wood. And so, the wood you work with is it a soft wood or is it a hard wood? <laughs> what kind of wood is God. it? It's always a hard wood. It is a hard. Oh wood. yeah. It right. Is. And in the, the the log cabins I was showing you, those are softwood, right? The on the inside looks like pond. Is that it's okay to is it okay to buy that type of a cabin or you think it's a bad idea? Fine. The outside's not made out of pine. Right. Just your inside paneling is fine. It's fine. It's okay. soft you could... it'll dim up, but it's nice. Okay. So you so, so so the pine wood, you're still a, f a fan of the pine wood. I don't use it. No. You don't use it. What's your favorite kind of wood to use? Oh boy. No, I'm just asking. Right here. Wow. He just slapped the inside of his thigh, kids. That's Jesus. wow. Um, yeah, he couldn't be on the panel tonight. Uh let's he's a little busy. Let's go ahead and let's throw it to Anton. Plug whatever you want to plug. I mean, how do you follow that shit show? Go ahead and go. <laughs> I feel rotten on Instagram. I feel and rotten right I feel now. Rotten at Gmail. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I feel rotten all the time. <laughs> yeah, me too. Anton I Dick on Twitter. Uh, I have like five tracks to mix and doing some other shit. Lots of fucking personal shit. But moving forward, making progress. God damn, it's good to be back, guys. I missed you fuckers. Yes, it has been long. Uh, it, the butt. Long and hard. Everybody, yes. And buck and naked throbbing. and renegade. Yes, throbbing as well. Uh, <laughs> the writ had me doing this week long thing where we were recording everything on every. Si oh, Jesus! It was long, what, but it was good. What a it was crazy good. Person, he is crazy. 
Look at him just trying to get numbers and ratings. Oh, YouTube channel. YouTube channel, guys. Follow the YouTube. Yes, follow the YouTube. Our media yeah. team is, is making sure we get those things posted, so definitely check that out as well. All right. If there isn't anything else to say, I am Mike Freeland right. on behalf of the RID himself. I'd like to thank all of our guests that came on tonight. It has been a wonderful night. We're going to continue to promote all of them. Uh, don't forget, we are going to be coming back with a Ruby Rays Part 2 and probably a Part 3 as well. There's so many more things uh, to talk about as well. And Vincent uh, Nothing as well. Uh, great interview with him if you didn't get a chance to catch that in Hour 1. As soon as we off the air, it'll be on demand. You can check that out. And the audio version of the podcast will be available later on this week. Please hit that follow button. If you're so inclined, hit the subscribe button. Oh, I'm starting to slur my words. Because it's been a long time uh, I've been up this late. Uh, Monster Factory. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and uh, follow us. We appreciate that. Follow all the people on our panel. And by the way, Moondog, we love you very much. We hope life is treating you well. And uh, can't wait till we see your wonderful face on the panel again. So for Renegade, for Buck Naked, for Mr. Bud and Anton Heidnick, my name is Mike Freeland. And I will catch you along with everyone else next week on Front Row Material. Stop.